Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C, Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 106 of Beer Another Shit, the podcast adjunct series. This evening, we're back at it again. We've got a brewery on this evening that I have heard about for a while. I recently got uh, connected, maybe just around the time we moved out here, a couple months ago, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to sample a bunch of the beers and been extremely impressed. So uh, I was really looking forward to hanging out tonight and learning more about the brewery the different beers and the approach to it, which is that the approach to the business is unique. The approach to the beers is super unique. And I just think that's really cool in the day, you know, when uh, we're sort of, you know, fortunately flooded with breweries anywhere in the world that you're at, essentially, you know, having a unique approach is, is super valuable. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to hear about the whole story. So guys, please welcome Rob Hearn of Short Finger Brewing in a building. Welcome, sir. How are you, brother? Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Genuine pleasure, man. You're well. I love to hear it. Uh, dude, really happy we connected. Very much been looking forward to this. Uh, you know, I've um, since we connected, I've definitely been keeping strong tabs on everything that you're doing. Uh, I want to get into a lot of it tonight. I want to definitely touch on the, the, the obviously, the, the beers and the styles that you sort of predominantly focus on the branding the um the social media approach which is really cool that I, I i actually i own a social media agency so seeing particularly people in the beer industry do something unique is uh very very interesting to me so uh i appreciate you man um i love it i'm ready for it so we are going to be kicking off tonight we've got a bunch of beers and uh, we're kicking off with the beer that essentially is your would you call it your flagship yeah, I mean, it's the closest thing to a flagship that we have. There's almost always Lando available at the brewery. Okay. Almost. Almost. Not always, yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, go, go. It, it really depends. Like Right now, we've sold so much more Lando on draft than I thought we would that there's no Lando on draft. So there's some bottles available. Usually I'm like okay, we got some of this tucked away or that tucked away. I was just like, like the last week, I was like, oh, shit. There's no more kegs of Lando here. Like, wow. I was like, I got to go make more Lando, which is, is it's, I'll get into is, uh, is not that simple thing for me. I bet. Yeah. I, I also think it's fascinating that uh, you have a, a bottle conditioned barrel aged sour as a flagship beer. Um don't think I've ever heard of anything like that. So people can see the, the label right there. Yeah, no, it's um, a very uncommon approach for very good reasons. Okay. I'm uh, stoked to hear about it. I think it's going to take us a little second to do it because this, uh, this particular bottle has not only the cap, but it's got the cork in there, which I love. Um, make sure it's extra carbonated. What is the reason for the, co- the double cork? Is it just fun? Um, there's a bit of fun to that, but, uh, actually it's a homage to, uh, Belgian Lambic producers, which Makes Lando, I, uh, kind of consider my bastard news. Makes sense. As soon as you said that, I was like, of course, that's exactly right. Yeah. Ooh. And I mean, you, the, the bottle, the bottle shape, like it's all, 
everything just, is aimed from that. It's all coming from those Belgian producers, which inspired me to essentially put short finger, finger together and lead with uh, Lando as our sort of flagship. Love to see it. And by the way, so if, uh, this is specifically batch T2. Um, I notice all the batches are essentially two letters or a letter and a number. Uh, what's the thinking yep. behind that? Um, usually it's just whatever pops into my head while I'm, uh, doing it. So T2, uh, is reference to, uh, second use tangerines. Ooh, Not okay. uh, that I'm like a huge Terminator fan, although I do love Judgment Day. Who doesn't? Great movie. Um, yeah. So with, uh, so like all the A series, which is probably the most popular one we do, A is always denoting the neutral blend. So I think we've done, I think the last one we released was AF or okay. E. So we've done like six essentially neutral blends of this. And yeah. Okay. It's a kind of a convoluted system that I am like, yeah, it's super obvious. It's just yeah. this. And everybody else is like, like what? Rob, I, once again, I don't know what the fuck you are talking about. <laughs> hey, do you know what? As long as it makes sense to you, that's all that matters. Yeah. I'm definitely. Oof, we actually have a section. Oh, yeah. We have a section on the site that lists all of the Lando <laughs> batches we've released. Okay. I believe T2 was the 22nd. Okay, 22nd batch. batch. Do you do the same batches over and over? Or once you've got T2, there's one batch of T2, that's it? Usually I move on from it. So that's why the A series, um, it, that's when I'm repeating. And by A, I'm looking for neutral oak and there's specific characters of Lando I'm always trying to hit. Okay. And then when I do different stuff, I'm playing around with it. Um, I might be using different barrels or different fruits. And like, I really enjoy using second use fruits to add in soft uh, fruit notes into the back end of beers without completely destroying the base of the beer. Um, okay. Just with some of the fruiting rates we do. Um, and like some, these are coming from like lambic producers. You're doing like 300 grams of whole fruit per liter, okay. and it's like it is a lot of fruit. And often I find it runs on over some of the nuance of a really good base beer that might be there. So doing the second use like touch, I've done second use, third use, depending on the blends and what I'm looking for. Okay, all right. Well, bro, cheers. Cheers. Ooh. Oh, hell yeah. So would you, cons <coughs> excuse me, would you consider this, this is so nice, a, okay, barrel-aged sour saison is a blend, is what specifically the style, essentially, because I know yeah, you're just saying which, you're inspired by the Lambics, but it's not, it's like your homage to that, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. It, it was one of those things that I, I didn't have a place, like, in the BJCP style guidelines to put Lando because acidic Saison is no longer really a recognized Saison, even though traditionally in Belgium, like it would have been a thing. So like everything, they're not everything like most things at short finger. I'm like, well, this doesn't fit into any style. So I'll just make it up <laughs> and sort of put these things together and be like, this is what it is now. 
And uh, usually people kind of who are into this type of beer, they kind of get it, you know? Okay. It's, uh, there's a lot of explaining in the tap room, depending on the knowledge of the person who comes in, which is like absolutely fine uh, on my end. Like I always tell the tasting room staff and when I'm in there, we want people to ask questions like, what the hell is a barrel-aged sour saison? I've never heard of this. I've heard of saison. You know, like, what do you mean? Like, and all, we always denote it as BA, which means barrel-aged. But on the boards, we get sick of writing it and just, like, having these conversations with people of, like, yeah, no, you definitely have not had a beer like Lando because, like, Low, like I don't know if there's anything super comparable to the project mm. and sort of the overall arching goal of what it is um, in Ontario at this point. I know there's a few beers that fall close into this category, but I don't think anything in the scope of Lando with the batches and the continuation of the base beer in different ways. Hmm. I, I can't think of anything as you were saying that. Not, not to like. I'm obviously. I'm still. I know not much about it, but even just looking for this blend on Untapped to get the uh, the info, and also thank you for keeping it up to date. Because even just here, you've got the full explanation. You've got all the different batches. So when I'm doing little selfie reviews and stuff, this is super yeah. helpful for me to just find the information quick and easy. Um, mm-hmm. Do this particular. I just want to talk about the nuances of this specific beer. Then I want to go to the overall Lando project. Um, uh, as a whole, so this compared to the regular Lando, which is the neutral barrels, this one was used the second use tangerines from your pale ale, the Tang, yep. pale ale yep. from January this year. So mm-hmm. that is unusual for this. This is like a fruited version of the OG sort of sour saison Lando. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, so this was part of the AE blend that I was doing, which was a neutral end. And I just took part of that and put it onto the tangerines and dry hop from that pale ale, which yeah. is something I do quite regularly with our sours is blending pale ales and hoppy beers into them as a way of cutting that acidity, softening a few of the sharp, sharp points. Like there's, Whenever I'm making Lando, usually 90% of what is in Lando is that base beer, but I will use anything I have in the brew house that I think will benefit, add layers or soften notes that I'm, I'm looking to kind of drop a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always playing with, with any beer that I have available in the brew house to, uh, to change it up too, because 22 batches of the same beer and trying to be like, okay, now we're doing this one next. I'm like, well, what, what are we doing next? I'm, I'm like, I, I only have so many ideas and I make a lot of different beers. Right. Yeah. So this is, okay. So then this is great though, man. Honestly, this is fantastic. The tangerines just like I had the batch, I think it was B something, if I'm not mistaken, was the other batch I had. You know what? I can actually tell you. Um, you had SF. I'm pretty SF. Sure. That's exactly what I had. I'm yeah. looking at it here. Which SF. was a blend of pale ales and came across super peachy, at least to, on my palate. I'm 
was blown away by the like stone fruit vibes I was getting from that, mm. which is part of why I really like how T2 turned out. So this was a Lando Day release this year. And SF was the, mo- the more popular of the two releases. Okay. And I love T2. I think this like this is like this weird tangerine tea. It's got all the depth mm. of Lando in the background. So you have that like acidity that kind of pops on your palate a little bit, making it refreshing. But it, to me, uh, this is again subjective, depending on where your sour palate is. I think this is like lovely approachable sour. Mm-hmm. And you get that stone fruit notes in there. And then it goes into sort of earthiness with a little bit of slate and a touch of bitterness on the end. Nothing over the top, but helps balance the whole beer out. Well explained. That's that's perfect. And it's exactly what it is. It's it's extremely balanced. It's very I don't drink this style enough. Probably because when they, you know, everything like I anything hoppy that's gonna die gets preference, right? Or it's or it's gone. Yep. So I find, you know, then hence why all of us beer nerds have a cellar. And uh, whenever I drink this, uh, this this style of beer, I'm always just like, man, I need to drink more of it. And this, I feel like, I I had the other one maybe a month ago, so I don't know if I could tell mm-hmm. which one I prefer. But this is exceptional. This is so damn refreshing. It's, I feel like this wouldn't be. You mentioned before when people come into the tasting room, uh, maybe not super familiar with barrel aged sours and not really understanding what that might be. I feel like this would be something that would people would lose their shit over. It's just so fruity, uh, but it's not too much. It's got so many complex flavors, you know. It's uh, one of my one of my favorite things when people come into the tasting room, and they'll be in a group, and then someone's just like, "Well, I don't really drink beer." They're like, "Oh, and right." I'm just like, well, you came to the right brewery <clears throat> because nothing here is going to taste like beer. <laughs> That's amazing. That's not true. We started doing loggers, um, which I love. I love the logger program as well. We don't need to talk about that, but like, it is, uh, it is, it is nice, and it's good to have because we have a bike path in front of the brewery, and the amount of random people who come in are like, "I just want a regular beer," and I'm like, "Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I guess <laughs> try this. Yeah. Hey, this is more refreshing than that for regular beer. Oh, way more. But yeah, it's the people who are not necessarily into beer or like, I really just like ciders, and I'm like, well, you know what? You should really try Lando, and mm. the amount of people who are converted and are just like absolutely blown away that they like it hmm. because they've gone through a good chunk of their life being like well okay there's hoppy craft beer and i don't really like that and then there's you know the coors light and the lager and that category i'm not into that beer flavor that comes with that and i'm like well beer is the most diverse liquid out there i can literally do so many things with the amount of styles with fruit additions and like you have sour beers you have hoppy beers you have clean beers like to say you don't like beer is is crazy because there's there's gotta be a beer that you would enjoy if you gave it a chance i couldn't agree more i'm just writing that down the most of it It could be the episode name i don't want to forget um it's such a good point man and I want to touch on something really quickly that you mentioned there that this specific beer is converting people to beer drinkers. Um, something I talk about here on here a bunch is the value and the undervalue uh, of gateway beers. And gateway mm-hmm. beers aren't really what you think. They're not a craft lager. I don't think craft lagers are really converting as many people as, as we think. Um, 
I always thought I've given New England IPAs to my girlfriend's friends who are wine drinkers and they lose their minds. I'm like, what the fuck? I thought IPAs were bitter and hoppy. I'm like, no, well, no. Yep. And this, like you mentioned, for cider drinkers, for white wine drinkers, it's hitting all those same notes that they're used mm-hmm. to. This is not going to feel foreign to their palate. And you also made one of the best points I've heard in a while. Beer, what did you just say? Beer is not, you said beer is one of the most diverse, but you can't just, like, there's not just, beer is like, is so many things now. So like to say you mm-hmm. don't like beer is literally bonkers because if you drink liquids, beer yeah, there just has to be. It's just not everyone yeah. is stuck 30 years ago. And understandably, if you don't chase it. Well, like like some of those uh, Lambic, like framboise, it is just like drinking raspberry juice. There's so much fruit in them. Oh, yeah. And like, I, if you don't like fruit or raspberry, fine. But like, how can you tell me that is not just just like delicious raspberry juice you're drinking? Like, yeah. I, how would you not like that? No. I couldn't agree more, man. Um, so th- this is honestly exceptional. Like, I'm I'm really really impressed with this, and it's it's even it's got like the I describe the mouthfeel as like chewy, which I imagine you you obviously know a lot more about this than me. But I I love when the barrel aged sours have that chewiness to it. It's like this really kind of cool drying sensation in the mouth that you sort of feel like you can, there's almost something in there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, this is, this is fantastic. I want to go more into Lando itself um, before we get into your beer history and everything since we're drinking yep. it first setting off. So how did it come about? Why is it the most important beer for you guys? Why did you choose a barrel age, you know, a beer that is that's damn near impossible to keep consistent uh, well, to a degree, you know, it it is very hard to keep this beer consistent, which was a big part of why I was batching it off the get go of just just trying to figure out the best way to approach this as a mainstay beer for us. So, I mean, the reason we picked this beer comes down. This is what I wanted to drink. And this is what I could not get in Ontario at the time. And so we're talking like Shortfinger as a homebrew shop started in 2015 in that area. And like there's a lot of change and there's a lot of barrel programs out there and different beers. But at that time, this was not something you could really get. I was going to Belgium once a year. Wow. To get my fix. Yeah. Jesus. Um, And I would still be doing that if uh, COVID had not happened. Um, but essentially the base of Lando never changes. And I have been maintaining our mixed fermentation house culture in short finger since 2016. I have been repitching the same yeast, harvesting this yeast from barrels, from fermenters, um, and just to keep this flavor going. And I have like, certain batches of Lando where I was like, oh, I fucking nailed that. Um, I need that yeast. I didn't like, that is the one that's going on. The strain is going. This is our direction. Um, but what I do after the fact is what kind of makes Lando Lando. Mm. Where, yeah, it's the same base. We have our house culture. But then it goes into different barrels. And minimum time in barrel is 18 months. Lando as a beer 
mm-hmm. is a two-year project from conditioning time and additional fermentations, re-fermentations on fruit, depending on what I do. Um, and it's essentially a project of, I'm going to make the same beer so many different ways for you and show you all the different <coughs> things it can be. Um, like one of my favorite batches we did, it was, it's the only batch that was three letters. It's called PPP mm-hmm. and it's peach pit punch down. So I had so many fucking peaches after the harvest. Like I was like, I do not know what to do with all these peaches. I had this big open fermenter. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like kick a Lando and did peach punch downs essentially, which is a wine term. I'm not sure if you're familiar no, with it, I wasn't. but I've just, it's you are on whole fruit and you take like a big flat paddle and you're just pushing that fruit down into the liquid constantly mm. for um, while fermentation is going and just making sure that fruit is always getting covered and um, keeps fermenting and the flavors go into it. Hmm. So I did this for four days in an open fermenter with the Lando culture and was just punching down these peaches and then into stainless and blended with a bunch of uh, some barrel aged stuff to get like a super fresh uh, peach note. And it was like a total mess. (laughs) I hate whole fruit. Like it was such a mess and took hours upon hours to clean up. But that beer is probably the best fruited beer I think I've ever produced. And it Amazing. was a ton of fun. That's like, awesome. And that's kind of why I do Lando is like stuff like that, that I'm like, this makes me happy to do these things and like play around with this, this base product and turn it into these different things and do fun, uh, fun things that most people are not doing in the brewing world. I, yeah, it's, it's not super common, particularly all of that effort. I've never heard of punch downs like that. That is funny, but fascinating. The fact that you spent four days doing that and the, yeah, I feel like particularly in Ontario, I just came from Quebec. So it's a little more common out there, this type of stuff, just because of the Belgian influence. But um, I like Quebec more than uh, Ontario for beer scene personally. I can see that. Just with my, yeah, with what I produce and like, I'm like, yeah, I think, I think I, I get along with, with the Quebec brewers, all right, if I spoke French. Well, most, I don't speak French, and I lived there for 10 years. And um, oh. I speak. I interviewed a lot of them, and I think once or twice ever I got to say, oh, sorry, they, nobody here can speak English, so we can't do it. But they all typically speak English, and they, yeah. they're really cool. I feel like we can talk about it after, but if there's ever anyone that I know that you like to be in touch with, they'll uh, happily yep. link you, man. Sweet. Good cats out yeah, there. Man. Appreciate it. I love seeing the – there's not enough um, – being like some, I'm from neither place. Uh, mm-hmm. I always wanted to see more of the collaborations between the two provinces because it's just sort of like the breweries and the drinkers in each place kind of just have their heads down and just looking locally. Yeah. When if you just look around a little bit, like oh wow, we could we could work together and all that, you know. Dunham was reaching out a little bit before to Ontario brewers and producers, like they did the Fooder Uni. That was um, the best beer festival I've ever been to. Yeah, that one was a ton of fun. Yeah, and after after that, I went to that festival. We weren't pouring at it, and immediately afterwards, I like messaged Elwa and was like, "Yo, dude, yeah. <laughs> if you do that again, I 
need to be at this festival and then it never happened again it was booked for 20 yes oh man now i'm done with beer festivals for the most part i just feel like i I went too hard but that was the one i would absolutely go to that was supposed to be august 2020 then it got pushed to last year then they just didn't even bother yeah so it was like a one and done sitch but that they're definitely a vibe Mm -hmm. yeah um what we saying okay so you were saying about the beer. Now, Lando itself. So obviously, I didn't realize this at first, but in the first batch of beers that you shipped over, there was this Lando, another version of it, and then there was one called Billy D. I Ooh, have yeah. seen – I'm of the age. I was a kid when Star Wars came out, but I'd seen it, didn't really remember, but I knew the name, and I was like, oh, that's what it is. I didn't immediately – tie it together because the branding isn't you know super star wars it's slightly yeah yeah so um i'm seeing the tie-in as i see in more one of the other beers we're going to drink uh tonight obviously is a pretty direct tie-in there and then the more i followed you the more i sort of you know paying more attention to the beers you drop and i was like ah boom i was talking to someone i can't remember who it was i was talking to someone in the industry about you the other day about the beers and they were telling me how sick billy d what maybe it was justin at toronto brewery in, uh, oh, uh, yeah. Justin does. Uh, he loves. Yeah, he loves. <laughs> he, loves he loves your shit. Yeah. He's the, actually yeah. he's the real reason. I think part of the one we we connected. He was like he, he got me the Bali one. Yes, he yeah, was because the Bali one chatting, and you were like you you were like I've never had short finger before, and the first beer <laughs> you had for me was had, the Bali wine, which yes. is a lovely barley wine. But no one in the world is like, yeah, you should go to Shortfinger. They're really big on barley <laughs> wines. <laughs> but no, that's not what we're known for. But it's, it is a lovely beer. And again, a beer that no one else is even doing. That uh, tobacco, I grow in my backyard wow. and at the tasting room. And then I cure it for two months in a dry room in the brewery. And then re-ferment the barley wine for two months on the leaves before packaging it amazing that was extraordinarily unique like crazy yeah unique. i love that shit and and it like the only reason i did that beer was because i knew how ridiculous it was and it is illegal i'm pretty sure i guess when you're, you can't, you're mixing right yeah because you're mixing and i don't think anyone's gonna care and no one should it's not like you're like smoking a cigar or anything but I found that I, I'm stuff like that. I'm always like, no, you're not supposed to do this. I'm definitely I'm doing do it. it. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, dude, that's awesome. I totally forgot that was how we connected. So we had, yeah. I had a podcast with Justin and Zach at Toronto Brewing, and we had that beer on the podcast. But he told me about yep. it on our Instagram live that we had, and I was just getting sort of back into Bali wines. I was sort of went off them for years, and now I'm mm-hmm. reappreciating. He's like, oh, you need this one. And then when we did the podcast. Yeah. I almost sent you another bar- barley wine that I haven't released yet. You got more but, coming. Uh, I guess it's perfect timing. I, for- I, I forgot <laughs> to throw it in. It's so good. I'm going to come by. I was like, oh, yeah, I was going to send that. And then I didn't send that. Oh, oh well. It's so okay, good. Okay, so uh, Lando. Billy D. Billy D yeah, and Lando. Lando. What's the Obviously, we know what the inspiration is. For people who don't know, I guess it's from Star Wars character. At Star Wars, Billy D. is the actor. Lando's the character. Yeah. Do you want to maybe talk about the why a beer named after um, that character and then the actor and, and why this beer for that name? 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the the funny thing is, everybody's like, "Wow, you really love Star Wars." I'm like, actually, I don't fucking like Star Wars that much. I I really don't. As I as a kid, loved it. Like, of course I did. But as I grew up, I was like, "Wow, this is really just a tropey, terrible movie." Like that they keep redoing now. Um, and when we first started Shortfinger, I my plan was to name saisons after secondary science fiction characters <laughs> so that's where lando came in i was okay. like yeah we'll do lando blah blah and then i really was like no i'm really liking and then vibed on it and it became a thing so now instead of a a birthday we have lando day every year okay. where i release billy d which is old unblended lando so I pick one barrel that I'm like, nailed it. That's the one. And that is Billy D for the year. And I it's it. like limited run of just whatever. And it's a kind of akin to like an unblended Lambic. Um, and then on the flip side of that, um, I also do Donald Glover, which is okay. young... Uh unblended stainless <laughs> lando oh, and, this, like, genius. Uh, this is i mean here's a i do all this shit like this and people are always like what like, what i don't get it <laughs> i'm like oh, i like, really uh, i really put i put the pieces out there for you it's right there <laughs> you, you have to think um, that hard i'm not even a fan like at all and yeah. i haven't seen donald in the star wars but i just knew that yeah. you did it and that's enough to like ah, yeah and there that's you great. go that's great. Um, actually, I'm. I just um, pulled some Donald Glover today, and it's going to be on cask at uh, Volo's uh, cast days this year. Nice. And it'll probably awesome. be the only bit of Donald I do this year. Okay. So okay. So yeah. the, the secondary character thing—that's just just for shits and giggles. Like you just thought that was funny yeah. you know, like because that's hilarious to me particularly secondary characters like intentionally ones that maybe people don't know yeah, so people aren't like oh yeah um well um i i think on that first shipment i sent you uh wash was in that yes that sounds very is, familiar uh, it's a hoppy american farmhouse yo i love that one i really love that that one. is that is a slow burn beer yeah the first time i released it in cans Mm -hmm. I, I like i think we had it for months like people were just like i don't even know what this is i don't know what you have done i'm i'm not into it and i i tweaked it out i was like you know what it was it was a very brett heavy pale ale at the, it was it's essentially a brett pale ale um and I, i've totally changed the process on it and cleaned it up into a much more balanced Brett beer, if such a thing actually exists, and somewhat repeatable. Um, I need to really knock on wood after saying that. Um, no one's expecting. It's but um, did you ever watch Firefly? It's like the, I don't think so. Is this, it was like, series. It was a series on TV, and Wash is the pilot in that show. Okay, that's awesome. So, like, there's like. If you go yeah, through our names, that. it's like I'm I looking yeah. yeah. EULA. There's a lot of science fiction. Sorry? There's one called EULA, like EULA. Oh, EULA? Yeah. That one was actually everybody thought that was uh uh 
uh, end user license agreement or something like that. <laughs> like people were like, "Why did you name it?" I was like, "Oh, I did not." That is named after uh, a Mastodon song, actually. So that one is not uh, sci-fi. No sci-fi. But um, Sasuke, which we have right now, is a reference to the expanse. All of our um, fermenters and bright tank in house, like our our one bright tank, and the only new tank I've ever bought is called the Rossi, which is the Rossinante from the expanse. I'm getting really geeky on you right now. That's okay. Um, like super geeky on uh, sci fi stuff. So everybody's like, oh, yeah, that guy is cool. <laughs> I'm not never really been into it, but I I genuinely like I feel like the people who are into beer have pretty diverse interests, and there's definitely going to be yeah. a bunch of people who are going to be like, "That is sick." Yeah, yeah I, I feel absolutely. it. Actually, I like nerdy shit. What, nerdy shit is awesome. Oh, it's fun! It's yeah. fun. Um, well, that's why I think that glass I sent you and I released the shirts this year of uh, Short Finger Kitchener's Only Sci-Fi mm. Punk Brewery. Yes, I was like yeah, that's. That's our thing. That's going to be our thing now. I like it. You got to lean into something extremely niche, and uh, I don't know if it gets much nicher than that. Oh, we did. We did. <laughs> um, okay, this is sick, man. Like, I really, I'm, I'm glad we sort of understand what you know what that is all about. So, Lando, like you said, is always going to be available. Different variants. So, like every time someone comes in, essentially, would it be fair to say that there's almost going to be a different uh, uh, Lando available for them, whether it's bottles or kegs? Um, yeah. Or draft, sorry. Much. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they are, like, I didn't realize, like, when I looked, I was like, okay, cool, different batches. I didn't read into this one that it had the second use uh, tangerines or anything. So, I didn't know that there were, I think the one I had was a lot, was like a cleaner, pretty straight mm -hmm. up and down version. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's, I imagine you have them side by side, like you said, like it, the, the characteristics of that blend happen to get peach from the SF one and this one is straight mm -hmm. citrus and tangerine. So, it, you know, it is a very different beer, you know, the base is the same, but it's a very yeah. different drinking experience. So it's all, you know, if you're into any of the, the Belgian lambics, goods and things like that, like this would definitely be, or even if you're not actually, um, yeah. this is definitely something that's always, uh, a unique, you know, it's, it's you don't want to, it's not, you're not having the same beer over and over again, even if the burn is slightly different, this, it's pretty damn different. Is, would that be fair to say that they're all pretty different? Oh, they're they're all really different. Okay. And it's been, but except the A series, sorry, I should say there. They they all have their own characteristic, and I'm usually coming up with like a pointed reason to do this batch. Like I'm like, okay, I really want to play with these hops, or like we had a whole series, uh, JK, which is down at the brewery right now, which stands for Jester King, and nice. it was just a uh, homage to uh, Noble King, and then we did uh, NK, which was Noble King. Um, so these were all dry hop versions. Sorry, so that one was all American hops, and then Noble King was all. Uh, noble hop, dry hops. It was tetanang and saws, and just like playing around with these different like ways that most people wouldn't handle a barrel aged sour with. Like right. I do really heavy dry hops on it sometimes, and those are often the ones that some people are like, "Oh, I don't like that as much." Um, when you compare it to something like T two, um, but they are my favorite often. Like 
I think the current era one we did just had this bitter finish on the end, which usually I'm always like, sour and bitter do not go together. You have to be very careful with where you land and try and balance these beers that I'm always very mindful of it. It was probably one of the least favorite ones of most people, but of course that means I'm usually like, actually <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like it just had this earthy, I think it was Tetanang. I was using a lot of it at the tank at the time. Um, earthy kind of bitter finish that I felt really played into the slate backbone that kind of like softly comes in the end. And I just loved it. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought to use um, those type of hops. As when he mm -hmm. said Noble, I was thinking like, Cascade's not a noble hop, is it? I'm really sort of always forgetting. No, so the noble, the noble hops are the like your like Fuggles right? and Kent and Golding and all that shit. Yeah, like Saws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, okay. The noble hop. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. I always forget. So interesting because those are the type of hops you would typically find in the lager or something like that. I don't yeah. recall seeing them often in a, uh, you know, Saison Farmhouse sour. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I'll, I'll I'll dry hop it at our pale ale rate, you know, like and back then when I was doing that one, our pale ale rate was around fifteen grams a liter. It's jumped up significantly since that, um, just with people's tastes. Um, so not like this is not like a dainty little dry hop. Like this is no. significant right before conditioning. Hmm. That's awesome, man. It's this is genuinely fascinating. So, um, okay, I feel like we've definitely nice uh, covered Lando there. So, yep. I feel like we're looking at the way coming up to 40 minutes. Uh, I was enjoying that convo. Oh, so, do you want to crack yeah. the uh, the next one? Uh, your choice, my man. Whatever whatever you feel. Why is... don't we uh, do Wax Poetic? Perfect. Love the name. So, this bad boy right here. Let's have a look at that artwork. Oh, by the way, the Lando artwork, the light bulb with the astronaut. Um, yep. anything on that? So that is uh, a lot of our original labels are all done by my friend in Toronto, uh, Rob Mursky. He's Mursk Tunes. I think it's at Mursk Tunes. Okay. Um, and he's a cartoonist, illustrator, and all around lovely, lovely dude. And I really like found him through his Instagram while I was putting together the brewery and he was just posting like sketches of his, of his art. And I was like, dude, I, I love these. Like, can you draw me a whole bunch? And he just was like, yeah, sure. do you want me to do anything in particular? I was like, no, just draw me a bunch of monsters. And he just sent me like photos of like just sheets and sheets of it. And I was like, I like that, 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 and there you go. Boom, boom, done. So, yeah, and actually the artwork for this one was done from one of my good buddies from university who's also in Toronto. And this is sick as well. So this has got the, um, like a crash, like a, a rocket ship that's crashed with a, a dog. Yeah. Oh, it's a collab with Sawdust. Yeah, so uh, Wax Poetic is uh solera which we call a forever project are you familiar with solera's i am where they have the barrels yeah. and you just sort of like letting them all continue to drop down you might be able to, i can't remember exactly but um do you want to, to re-explain it for those uh yep. sure, who sure. don't know and to refresh my memory 
Yeah. So with the Solera, what at least how I approach it is every uh, year I'll pull out. So now it's in a punch-in, which is about a 500-liter barrel. I'll pull out about a third of the liquid and put it into our conditioning tank. And then I'll put fresh wort back into that barrel and let it continue the culture and activate again and essentially keep the active yeast going in there so that every year this beer changes slightly, but Mm -hmm. it's still the same base. Um, But it's always the same base beer going in and then just pull some out, top it up, pull some out, top it up and you can do this for as long as i'm alive essentially and i originally released this beer i think it was the first no it'd be the second funk fest because the first funk fest i did close your eyes and count to funk with uh sam but uh i figured who was someone who would be into a kind of a weird project that might take years and years and years and just keep going and i was like oh Sam's Sam. a ridiculous dude. He'll do this with me. <laughs> I love Sam so much. Uh, yeah, he's good shit. So, um, yeah, no, the the Wax Poetic Project actually started with a poetry reading. Okay. Um, we uh, did a mini tap takeover with Sam and Sawdust. At uh, kickoff, which was this like dumpy little like sports bar here in Waterloo, and it was close to my house. I always go there and drink. And Bill, the bartender, lovely dude, uh, but it was always like soccer and you know hockey and all this stuff and like students there. And I was like, oh, I really want to do this poetry reading here. So we took over the bar, and then it was just like an open floor poetry <laughs> um, sort of <laughs> reading to so, like. Anyone could just like, it was like, yeah, you just stand on your chair and you can recite poetry that you really like from whoever. Or if you have your own poetry, you can just read this to everyone if you're comfortable with it. And um, I loved it because I think it's the most silly and kind of ridiculous beer event, like tap takeover that you could really do. I was like, yeah, it was going to be poetry and beer, man. And just, I think Sam cried multiple times. Did he read poetry? poetry? Oh yeah. He read like poetry. He wrote for his wife when he was in university. Wow. Like, I thought it was, Doug. that's what it says on the label. And I thought that was like a, uh, just a joke. That's amazing. On you, Sam. I mean, it was kind of a joke. It's like most things I do where I'm like, yeah, doesn't this sound ridiculous? We could do it. And then I'm like, well, we're going to do it now. That's your only way to roll. Yeah, okay. Exactly. And then, so you have the poetry reading. And then I guess that, that night, the idea for the collab came about? Um, we were in town to do the initial batch. So then the okay, next okay, year okay. when we came back and did it again, we did the poetry reading again. Unfortunately, that bar closed right before the next one was going to happen with COVID. Gotcha. Because this was 2019 right it started. Yeah. This says yeah. started January 2019. So if you were coming back yeah. again, COVID would have been... We just Ju- done it. And then COVID happened. I'm pretty gotcha. sure that's what happened. Okay. So I've, re- I've been doing it still, but we haven't done the poetry event. Okay. Which is a bummer. Hey, you never know. It still happened. 
things seem although I think somewhat it was stable. very poorly attended. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> I don't know how much uh, people want to see poetry the these days. Yeah, <laughs> craft beer and poetry those just like missed the mark there. You know what? You're ahead of your time, you know? That's all yeah. you can say. So <laughs> So this particular beer from what just tasting it now and refreshing what a Solera is, I forgot the key part of it is you top that barrel up and then keep going. Yep. Um, this to me, because there's actually no real information on here, which is kind of cool. So it's like, it tastes like sort of a straight up and down, you know, farmhouse, Saison style uh, beer. Doesn't taste like there's any adjuncts or anything. It's uh, a lot of the flavors coming from the yeast. Mm-hmm. That's accurate. Okay, good. This is this is straight up. Yeah, there's no there's no added flavors into this. Uh, okay. If anything, this is one of the this one comes across to me with a, kind of a buttery Chardonnay finish, I can, and I oh, can yeah. feel it. Um, and that's from the barrels, which like, I mean, Chardonnay is potent, especially California Chardonnays. Like, there those mm. be the second. But once it sits in there for obviously over two years, it really soaks in and adds in a very, I find, delightful mouthfeel. Mouth but mm-hmm. I can see why some people are not into it. And it's something that doesn't come through in Lando's. Um, but it does have some of the base Lando vibes. So this okay. culture is now a mix of... Um, it was a straight saison sour blend, and then the Limberloss culture from uh, Sada City mm. is in the uh, barrel. Mm. So it's kind of a meshing of both uh, Shortfinger and Sawdust to Amazing. create this at this point. Yeah. Hmm. This is um, this is fascinating. I'm definitely. It's like a lot softer as far as the carb than Lando. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, probably the the barrels, the buttery Chardonnay finish. I'm absolutely getting that. Um, I guess a lot of sort of like the white grapes and stone fruit. Um, yeah. It's uh, like a little a bit. note in there and coming through on the end. I get like, it's not grassy, um, but it's hmm. trying to put my finger on it right now. But I, I do get this like herb vibe near the finish that isn't coming through into bitterness, but much softer in the acidity. And yes. that's because this beer is now from 2019 to, what are we, 2022? Like, this isn't exactly a, a fresh beer you're drinking. This came out of my cellar. Right. Oh, right. So this is uh, this is special. Right here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No one can get these beers. Because <laughs> let's have short finger rolls. You'll never be able to get I them. love it. Hey, let's yeah. promote the brewery. But, yeah, you can't get any of this shit. But yeah, you can, <laughs> I mean, you can get Lando's, and so I do. I do seller releases every once in a while. I figured um, as much. Yeah, with with the like style we'll that do, you're doing. We'll do a seller release for around Christmas again and stuff like that. That's fun, man. Um, yeah, I like but that. But mostly, mostly the beers in the cellar. I'm just like these are really fun beers that I loved and I enjoyed making. I liked how they came out, so then I hold on to them, and then if we do events. Or something, or something's cool going on. I'll just go in the back room and go into the cellar and just be like, oh, I'm going to crack this, 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 and just share it with people who are there who I know appreciate what I'm doing. You know, like on Lando Day, if you hang out at Lando Day and show any interest 
in the project, I'm probably going to come around with a magnum of Lando and be like, you should try this one. You can't get it. You probably never had it. Yeah. No, you'll never get it again. Sorry. So enjoy the shit. That's something yeah. special though, man. I mean, that's a, a unique thing that you're able to do because being the, you know, like it sounds like, uh, I guess we'll get into it some more, but like, you know, I was about to say the majority, but at least a, a serious portion of the beers that you're brewing is things you can sit on for a while, mm-hmm. which is, um, very cool. Yeah, no, I, it's, uh, the running kind of joke is that I've put, uh, a date code for Lando at 29 years, 364 days. I haven't got there yet, but I'm like, Hey, I think it'll still be good then. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why not. It's got a cork and a yeah, cap. It yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. I'm like, we'll fuck, man, who knows? I guess you'll find out. That's the beauty of it all. Yeah, so this is yeah. this is fascinating. Um, this is great. I even like it's got you know it's a lot more uh, opaque. Obviously, Lando was mm-hmm. damn near clear. This is a lot more opaque. I imagine that's just due to the nature of the style. You may have uh, roused some of the sediment. That would be Ooh. my guess. Because if you look at mine, ah. it's quite clear. Um, Do you know what I must have? I'm an I'm an idiot with this stuff. I'm I drink like I was saying earlier. I drink more. Um, and just by nature of like IPAs come my way and yeah, you just yeah. drink them first. So I remember I hadn't drank one of these for a while and I had like a, it was a Durank because obviously in Montreal you can go to the SAQ and you can just grab yeah. pretty far. Like Dre Fontana is just sitting there almost at any SAQ, which is pretty crazy. And um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of regret not buying more before I left. But the I had a Durank and I poured, I was sharing it with my girlfriend's cousin who lives here and he, we were pouring it and it was completely, it was like a cherry one or something and it was completely like opaque uh, red. Yeah. And my friend from Australia of all play messaged me, he was like, yo, what what did you do? Like, I don't know, I just poured it. Did you pour the sediment? I'm like, yeah, you just around and put it in. He's like, you fucking idiot. Like, you're not supposed to do that. That's what you do with haze. I'm like, because I'm so yeah. used to making sure you get every drop of yeast from the New Englands that I forgot that the intention of... Yeah, uh, it, you know what? It's, uh, that's a interesting point of like people don't necessarily know how to handle conditioned beers and there's nothing wrong with drinking the beer the way it is the yeast that you are consuming is not it's not bad for you okay you know like in some at some bars like that i was in that i've gone to in belgium they will leave you the bottom of the bottle which i often do for customers at short finger and just say, if you would like, you can swirl up the bottom, drop the yeast cake in your glass. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make that decision for you. It's totally up to you. Some people like it. Some people don't. Totally your call. Um, yeah, I'm, I usually leave the sediment behind personally. I just always have. How much do you leave behind? Because when I was pouring it, I was, what, I was like specifically, because you kind of mentioned it earlier. I was watching and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I'm good, but I'm kind of blocking the bottom. So I didn't really see, like I left like a little bit in there. Yeah. Like I'd say like a finger is a finger. It looks like you probably dumped a bit of sediment in there. And then it's also the, how you're handling it prior too, right? I had it if in, like- I, I really tried to not, I had it in the fridge upstairs. I just brought it down yeah. and popped it right in the cooler. I wasn't, it wasn't turned upside down or anything like that. Yeah. So but you just got a little bit of the yeast at the end. There's nothing, like I said, nothing, nothing wrong with it. I'm, yeah. 
Totally. I want to respect the traditions and do that. I swear I saw, and you mentioned that you leave the thing at the bottom. Isn't there like a thing where it's almost like you, you get the the beer, but then you can kind of like pour the yeast into like a shot glass and you can have the – is that a thing you're yeah, thinking correct? I feel like I've heard that before. Never yeah. done it. Also don't want to do it. I feel like that's a sure <laughs> way to shit your pants. Like a really – okay. Why is that? Is it just that yeast can? Oh, just like a like real yeast concentrate shot like that. Like <laughs> yeah, like I don't know if that's, like, what that's going to do to your stomach exactly. Just uh, here you go, have some yeast. <laughs> Doesn't sound the finest. Okay, so that's why mine was like that. Like I was wondering, I wasn't sure if it was just like the Solera that had influenced that, or yeah. maybe I got a little heavy handed there. Okay, beautiful. Um, I love it. I feel like we're really starting to get like a bit of a, a really great picture. Of, of what's going on, at least with your, your barrel program. I want to just mm-hmm. uh, switch gears for a second. Let's uh, start. I want to hear how you personally discovered craft beer, got into beer, and then how that led to the brewery and the business as a whole to, uh, you know, to kick off. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I have loved beer for like as long as I can remember, like just really been into beer um the first beer i ever had was like at my family cottage back when i was like eight my dad let me have some of his beer and it was like upper canada dark i remember, Ooh, I remember. like that's he he was ahead of his time drinking that stuff eh? yeah like this is like Love back that. when like george eagleson was probably brewing there i had no idea he touched my life back then <laughs> um but um i remember like being like not loving it because you're a kid, but also being like, oh, I I do like this. And then, like, in university, I kind of got into homebrew. And we were, like, throwing keggers at my house all the time and big parties. And I would go to the homebrew store in Peterborough. I was going to Trent. And, like get homebrew kegs from this guy and like serve all this homebrew <laughs> these keggers that we we're throwing and like it was really terrible beer to be honest it was like just atrocious um my style was not so rough fu- sorry what styles were they oh it was like dirty dirty lager <laughs> okay like the worst lager you've ever had in your life okay um yeah yeah like, but you know those days what uh, you know cheap is what yeah. is the number one factor exactly it, it was all about a good time um yeah. so that kind of like was sort of the like dirty background behind it and um once i got out of university uh i was working at the beer store doing logistics um and really hated my fucking life like was not into it at all but i was like i want to be in beer and like this was like the first job that came up and i was like well i have to pay rent so i need to get this job right and it served me well enough um from there and after i think two years i ended up starting on at uh at great lakes um i think that was late 2010 or early 2011 i'm not sure i can't remember exactly um but it was right around when we were doing the initial launch of crazy canuck Mm. it would have been 2010 because i came on right like we're wrapping up the winter olympics and that launched that beer so we were kind of cleaning that up and putting it into cans at that time um 
And being at Great Lakes was awesome. And at that point, I was not brewing. I was doing LCPO and all their retail management, um, which was kind of a funny role. And when I look back at it, I'm just like, oh, I'm so terrible at that job. (laughs) Like, why would they have hired me for that? Um, But, like, I, I did a good job nonetheless. Like... And I got to the point where I could manage this program enough that I started brewing on the pilot system regularly, hanging out with Mike Lackey, and really, really got into homebrew through that. And back we were doing the 25th anniversary for Great Lakes at that time and working on the rebrand, putting out the Tank 10 series and that whole monster that has turned into kind of what Great Lakes is uh, now. And I was like, we need to do, we got to get into some barrel aging stuff. And I took one of the company vans and grabbed my buddy because no one else wanted to go with me and drove to Kentucky and filled the back of this like cube van with like freshly emptied like Buffalo Trace barrels and everything I could get my hands on. And it was a hilarious trip and a complete disaster because at the time I had no idea how to cross the border after purchasing something for a business. And my boss didn't tell me. And I got to the border and was like, yeah, I got these, blah, blah, blah. And they were just like, what what do you mean? Like you have no paperwork for any of this? You're like, it's like no. What like what do you want? Here's the here's the invoice. I'll pay some tax, whatever. Anyways, it was it was a bit of a disaster. And like six hours later, whatever, I got Jeez. out of there. Um, the worst. But that was kind of like my first step into barrel aging and working on the imperial stouts that were released there. Um, and then I got down to California, got my hands on consecration, supplication. Uh, the Russian River sours and their barrel aged stuff, and right there it's just like, oh, okay, like I really like what's going on here, and then from there got into lambics and like really opened the sour beer end of things for me, and that was kind of the point where I was like, hey, like Mike, we should really do this, and they'd played around with some sour stuff at the time. I don't know if. Uh, there was a beer that I don't think was ever actually re- released at uh, Great Lakes at the time, but it was called uh, Baby Vomit Supreme. <laughs> and it was the fucking worst sour beer I still have ever had. And I have had some terrible sour beers. I own a homebrew shop and get a lot of homebrew dropped off. And that Love. is still the worst sour beer I've ever had. Uh, it was butyric acid that's what it's called to the point to the point that when we were doing bg bjcp um testing and like going through and like building up to do the exam we used that as the like benchmark to off flavor like i brought a bunch of it for the like group that we were like studying with (laughs) and they were like here is butyric acid and like, ew, oh, it just Ugh. stank. It was so bad. Anyways. Uh, I've had it before. It's gross. It's really yeah. bad. Um, and so from there, I really, I wanted to go a sour route. 
and I wasn't in a position at Great Lakes. I was kind of, they were letting me do a lot of the pilot stuff and playing around with different brews. I was getting really into homebrew. Um, but with my current role, it didn't make sense. And they didn't want to do sour beers there, which I don't blame them in the slightest. Um, like they have... It's not really their vibe. Pretty, no, it's not in their wheelhouse. And they are a clean brewery that is doing huge production and packaging going to the LCBO, letting me dick around with a bunch of sour barrels and stuff in their back room. Probably a bad idea. So that didn't fly. And I kind of was like, well, you know what? After a few years, I was like, I just want to brew and make these beers that I want to make. And Mm. I switched over from Great Lakes, was working for a Belgian importer, um, dealing most with, mostly with Trappist. And at the time, my plan was to move to Belgium and go work for a brewery there. And I was kind of like just trying to build some contacts and decided to just go for it. Instead, didn't go to Belgium. And I mean, I go and visit there whenever I can and started home, uh, started the homebrew shop in 2015 because I figured the window on that was kind of closing in terms of where it was going to be the location and just where the market was at and trying to get established as more and more breweries were popping up and Shortfinger was never really supposed to be this homebrew shop that it turned into. It was always supposed to be a funky brewery. I just used the homebrew shop as a way to um, start the brewery because I am very poor. (laughs) I have no money. Uh, So like, it was one of those, like, we started the brewery on a very small budget. And so I was able to build a following of home brewers in the area here in Kitchener and, and take the money that I was making from home brewing and put it into investing into the brewery and putting those pieces together. But uh, a big part of why we were doing the barrel age and all this was also because like I welded our whole brew system with the welder around the corner from us um, and put it together. It's, it is janky and direct fire. And like, it is not a fancy push button system. I am making um, really delicate and interesting different beers on the jankiest, like jacked up homebrew system you have ever seen. Um, we didn't start doing loggers until 2020 because I finally had enough money to buy a glycol system. Mm. It's not that I don't like loggers. It was, I'm like, yeah, I am like just using ambient for my fermentation. And I had this little, uh, glycol unit that was on this like skateboard that I'd slide up to tanks and like jack into the ports and turn it on and just crash tanks. That was the only temperature control we had. It was like, I can crash this cha- this tank now. So it was a very grassroots and slow buildup. Like when we, we started the homebrew shop 2015 in my basement in Waterloo, it was all online. And when you went down into, I had like a split, uh, semi-split or whatever it's called. So it's four levels, but like it's all half levels. Mm-hmm. And in the basement, you walk down into it and it was like a brewery's like grain storage room. There was 
like 200 bags of grain in this basement and like freezers full of hops and like my office was just homebrew supplies all over the place and we're just shipping and like letting people pick up and then we eventually found a location which took longer than i wanted um and then got the brewery going but the hoops we had to jump through to get the brewery going with the municipality took another i think two years like 2015 we didn't launch a beer until 2018. Fuck. When did and you start applying? The, I guess you started, you said 2016, you started applying for... Yeah, 2016, we started putting the pieces together. That's a long time. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Um, and, you know, I look back and I'm like, yeah, it was still a lot of fun. And in that two years, that's when I worked on Brewing Lando. All I did for those two years was brew saisons, blend them, and figure out the components and how I wanted this beer to taste. And still to this day, Lando Batch A, which is the original batch that we released, is one of my favorite beers we've ever done. I think it's lovely. Did you keep a library of that one? Yep. Good. It's at my house. Love it. So that was, and then when you, so you were working on it, I mean, I guess that's getting the yeast culture started, perfecting mm-hmm. the recipe. Um, what was the first beer you guys dropped? Was it Lando? Uh, I think it was Lando A, that first batch. Uh, so it goes, which was a barrel aged Goza. And G Lightfoot, which was a whiskey barrel aged sour. Nice. I had a phase where I was really into Gordon Light, but I don't know why. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I'm going to name this after him. I'm like, whatever. Why not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> who knows? Not very punk rock. Gordon Lightfoot is not punk rock. I actually don't know. Who, who is that? He's is like Can- Canadiana. You don't okay. need to know him. That's probably why. Didn't, didn't grow up He's around the it. Okay. Edmund, Edmund Fitzgerald guy. That song. About the, the sinking ship. All of it sounds familiar. I've absolutely heard the name. And I've heard the name of that as well. I'm Real sure. Canadian. Super stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of like Canadian stuff. It's like, like just here. There's a lot of things that we did get growing up, but then there's like some, yeah, specific stuff. Yeah. yeah. Got to put the pieces together. Okay. Sick. So 2018 was the real uh, launch of the brewery. So the business is seven years old, but the brewery is like four. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, cool. Brewery- was uh summer 2018 and then the tasting room took me a while to put the pieces together and i think it was january 2019 okay so we were going about a year before covid okay i think we launched with a pulp release which is uh the collab we do with uh barn that's a collab yeah no shit. Okay. I, interesting. I always heard about that beer and I always saw dudes out that way going to the brewery on the day or whatever brew day and they get a whole bunch of locals that are just fans and just yeah, stripping oranges or whatever it is. Yeah, no, that was uh, me, Jeremy, and Matt originally in my kitchen. Damn. And that's, yeah. that's a straight New England IPA, right? That's not anything funky yep. or anything. Okay. Double IPA with uh, Clementine's. Clementine's, that's what it is. Okay, amazing. Yeah. And your, I remember people you, loved it. Like, yeah, growler only it. back then, right? Like, I heard yeah. it from Montreal. I always saw the people I followed like losing them, like losing their shit over it, and because it wasn't packaged, 
the only way you're going to get it is to go to the brewery and it wasn't even feasible yeah. to ship a growler to anybody. So it was, you had to just go to Cambridge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was before I had my license. So we were doing it all at Barncat. And then we started switching it back and forth and doing two versions of it. And, but I mean, the thing is the hazy, like IPA crowd, they don't, they're, they're not really into short finger. Like it was the pulp is such a funny one for us for like, it was a earlier beer that we did. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be doing that. <laughs> you know, like I will, I'll play around with it, but like my focus is going to be somewhere else. Gotcha. Are you still doing it though? As to this day, like do you still do it every nope. year? No, actually I reached out to uh, Jeremy and Matt last year and I was like, Hey, things are weird. Do you want to try and pull this off or not? Like, and they're like, nah, not really. I was like, yeah, I don't want to hang out and zest Clementines with you for five hours either. You jerk. You pieces of shit. Fuck. Yeah. Um, it is a lot of work. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of work for sure. And, okay, that's fascinating, man. Yeah. Um, okay, I love that. So then, all right, so your aim for the brewery, like you were saying, is is primarily – the barrel aged sours and this is my segue so we're at the just over an hour part now so uh, we're going to move on to something a little different so the the first batch of stuff that you sent me you had you, we had that one we talked about wash which i think out of mm-hmm. all the beers arguably might have been my favorite one like i i really I love, love what beer. you did it was just this yeah this it was this perfect it was kind of like just a dry hop paler with this little like touch of like you said brett heavy this little, little mm-hmm. bit of funk in there that just works so well so it shows obviously that is a skill set that you have uh, within the brewery. Like if you want to do that type of stuff, I would probably categorize that under some sort of like, you know, like funky, hazy yeah. pro- product. Um, this bad boy that we're about to go, if I'm not mistaken, we're doing that one next. Yep. Um, is this a straight up hazy like paleo? Yeah. Yeah, this is just wow. like a clean pale ale. A clean um, okay. Yeah, it's hazy nano IPA. I think that's, I think we call it a nano IPA. Okay, 4%. It's a little IPA, apparently. Little IPA. Yeah. Um, which is, look, you got Zaka and Idaho 7. Great uh, hot choice right there. Love Idaho 7. Woo. Um, so do I. So do I. When you said clean, oh, you meant clean because it's not sour. Yeah, it's not okay. sour. There's no, um, there's no bugs in that. Um, okay, so. I I completely took that as something different. I thought you meant you say clean. I thought you meant like clear, but that makes sense because oh, you're yeah, a sour yeah. brewery, so that makes complete sense. Yeah, I I have to uh, I have to let people know when I'm like, oh, hey, guess what? I didn't put something weird in this. <laughs> hey man, that's your signature. Um. I love the the branding on this one. This was once again you were talking before. You're not even that much of a fan of Star Wars, but this beer is called Baby Yoda. Um, this was well, honestly, I was trying to get a cease and desist. From <laughs> did you get it? Like I really was. I did not. I was really disappointed. Damn it! Um, yeah, like uh, I had heard they're like really their lawyers were really heavy handed, and I was like, oh, I'd love to be able to post a cease and desist from Disney. <laughs> Um, so, and I was also really into the, um, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. 
Yeah. I still haven't yeah. seen it. I heard it's great. I liked it. It was like a space western. I thought it was super space cool. Western? I think it was the best thing. It was like the best thing that Star Wars did in a long time. Um, so what's kind of interesting about this beer and part of the head on this. It's beautiful, is, bro. This is a raw pale ale or little IPA. So what I do with this is I, I'm not, bo- I'm Oof. sure you're familiar with this. Um, yeah, I've heard of But the... I don't boil it. I bring okay. it up to 85 degrees Celsius and then add the hops in and do a whirlpool, just kind of pasteurizing. pasteurizing. And there's a lot of oats in it. Um, and that kind of builds this head and just builds all these proteins. Um, um, it's a really lovely beard. Also gives it a different mouthfeel, I find, than when you do a full boil on beers. Uh, I've had a few discussions with the guys at like Third Moon about this. We've done different uh, collabs together too. And um, I think Jim thinks it's weird that I don't boil a lot of my hoppy beers. Okay. But I really like the way it um, tastes. And I find um, because it's not my focus where I'm not like, if you show up at Shortfinger, you are just here to drink hoppy beer. Like I usually only have one hoppy beer on the board. Um, but I like to make it taste... And I think we have like this short finger flavor. Like people really love True Believer, our pale ale. But I, I always say it like it doesn't really taste like most other hazy pale ales you have. Um, there's just something about the process, our house, and like kind of the same way that Great Lakes has a flavor. The like right. house flavor comes through in the pale ales in a way that I really do like. And I love drinking pale ales. Like I don't just drink sour beer. I love drinking all sorts of beer. It's just the same way. I don't just listen to punk music. I fucking love Kelly Clarkson. I respect it. Yeah. Like, you got to be a bit of everything. Just, I can't just listen to no effects all the time. Come on. No. Aren't they the band? I, I'm, I'm a hip hop dude, so I don't really have much context, but I remember when I was in high school, dudes used to have, is that the album where dudes are fucking a sheep on their cover? Heavy petting. There you go. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Called Heavy Penny. Yeah, <laughs> I love Heavy Penny as a yep. term. It yeah, is yeah. undervalued and it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Should we call the episode Heavy yep. Penny? <laughs> oh, you're killing me, bro. I run it down. We'll see how I feel when we do it. But that's- yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how that feels. <sighs> Fuck me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is fantastic. Their head is uh, out of control. That pillow, um, stunning. The nose is like. I feel like you have really unique. I really like the, your tasting notes. What are you? What are you getting from this? So on this one, I am getting like straight up citrus, mm-hmm. lemon for sure. But I'm always. It's kind of that same thing, and I think. On one of your, the one you had with Bellwoods a little while ago, um, the link up was mentioned uh, dropping Simcoe into every hoppy beer just so it tastes like an IPA. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I do something similar like that. I use a lot of Simcoe, but I also do that with Idaho 7 as Zaka kind of often just to add in this little bit of dankness in with the tropical fruits to mm-hmm. make me feel like I'm getting that, like, hot bite but still trying to keep it soft 
Mm. especially because all of our beers um, you'll find are dry. Okay, like, I'm definitely noticing not, that. I mean, this is not a, a big beer, like it's only 4%, but it's very dry. Um, even our IPAs on the occasion that I do it um, come across somewhere between that like hazy East Coast meets West Coast vibe and yes. trying to find that spot where like the touch of bitterness is there because I really personally like it. I do not like sweet things okay. very much. Um, so per usual, I'm kind of just brewing to my own tastes. But with the size of brewery we are, like, it's yeah. not like I'm brewing to the masses and masses. Um, so we kind of have this base style and taste that I think people are like, eventually they get into. One of my good buddies loves double IPAs. Like he loved milk, which is probably the sweetest beer I've ever released ever. I don't, I was like, this is crazy. I don't even know. Like, I think I've had one pint of it. It was like, it. Oh, it's so sweet. Um, but he was like, you have ruined me for everybody else's pale ales and, and like IPA stuff because I now have a taste for this lighter, drier, slightly bitter. And then again, like it's all about balance mm-hmm. finish to a beer. And Ooh, I cannot stress enough the like how much I think drying out a beer nicely um, helps balance it out, keep it refreshing. Where if I have a whole bunch of residual sugars, I find I can't drink as much of it. I it doesn't it coats your palate differently. Uh, so I don't drink a lot of double IPAs. I know that's kind of your no. I'm with you. You, you like no the like. I thought you really liked you, bigger beers. Do you know what's interesting? I, I've moved away from it. I, do you know what? I moved away from it in the time since I started, I, since I had the, took the break on the podcast, which is hilarious. So I'll go into Durand in, uh, here in Hamilton. That, that's where I picked up milk. It's, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, Chris yeah. is a legend. Um, I'll, I'll intentionally avoid double IPAs. I bought milk because... I wanted to. I'm. I used to have uh, an obsession with lactose. Me and my friend Nate, who writes for Bos, we had a, a Twitter account called Team Lactose, and it was more just to piss <laughs> off the purists because people got really mad about lactose. Yeah, yeah. Previously, now they get mad about smoothies and shit. Um, yep. And I was fascinated that uh, I, I know Mark not well, but I know Mark at Sidewalk, and I was like, sick. I love that you collab with them. I really, which we're going to get into, I really enjoyed the video, of, like pouring into the cereal and, and eating that. loved it. Yeah. So I was like, I need to fucking try this beer. Um, I got it, and that was an, an uh, outlier for me personally because I'm finding that like I would rather, I imagine you align with me here, go through volume um, mm-hmm. in an evening, and try a whole bunch of different stuff. Not because I'm a fucking like, ah, I want to be pounding beers, but I just would rather try a bunch of different stuff rather than have like two double IPAs and go to bed. That's kind of oh, where I, I, I want to try beer. I want to drink a few and I don't want to feel like shit in the morning either. Yeah. And I found yeah. as well, tell me what you, I got stuff to do. Yeah. Well, there's, exactly. There's <laughs> I'm not too beer. I'm getting older. I'm in my early forties now, so I'm not trying to fucking be, you know, I'm not 21 anymore. Like, Mm-hmm. You know, you know, bounce back like we used to. But I found that yep. um, a lot of breweries now, 
and I, I'm I'm seeing this, and it like if you if I tried this blind, this be a blind, I would never have guessed it's four percent. Absolutely not. This is an exceptional body. There's tons of flavor in here. I'm getting that chalky dryness, like you mentioned, that mm-hmm. I would get in much bigger beers. Um, and I found that a lot of the the haze that I'm drinking, since we're in this category, a lot of breweries now are starting to nail the lower ABVs that have very similar characteristics to the bigger ones. So if I go and drink a six percent IPA, then drink an eight. You know the difference isn't massive. It you used to be. The difference, yeah. You can you, yeah. you might not be able to if you did it blind. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. why am I going to go and spend the extra money and then the extra? It's not even the money. I don't care about. It's the um, the bandwidth because <laughs> I'm I'm not a a beast. Some people can pound them. I'm I'm yeah, not. Yeah, can only drink so much. Can yep. only drink so much, right? And uh, I would rather drink. I would when I go into Durand and I'll just be like, I don't even really look at the double IPA section. Because he, he separates oh, okay. it by stuff. I no, didn't look good. at it. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm like, no. yeah, that's the move. I actually, I really wish uh, it was ready in time. Um, but Catherine the Mild is a dark mild that we do, which Ooh. is... I love them. So not something we should be doing <laughs> and doing so well. But I make it for my, uh, my wife, Kat. And it is just... An English mild, and it's the only English beer we do. It's 3.5%, and whenever it is on tap, that is the beer I'm drinking. Yeah. Hell like, yeah. I, like, in the afternoon on a Friday, people are in the tasting room. You know, it's like you had a chat with all these people, and I'm like, you know what? I had four pints, and luckily, like, I can bike home easily, but I'm like, four pints of 3.5%. It's not touching the sides. Dark mild. Yeah. Perfect. That's exactly what I want. And I, we have a following of people now who actually are into the lower ABVs because we've been doing them for a while. Actually, I think our description still online is mixed, ferment, mixed fermentation brewery with like small, like low ABV pale ales or something like that. Like, but like we have been doing lower ABV, like 4% baby Yoda's. Uh, Midnight Bike Club is another beer that I do uh, that is specifically a brewed it so I could drink it while I was biking, stop in the park in Victoria Park in Kitchener here, have another beer in the park, and then bike home. And just Love like, it. Yeah, it's perfect. It doesn't need to be 7% as far as I'm concerned, but... You know, and I think people are coming around to lower ABV beers more and more. I've had uh, – you mentioned this – so I know you work with Third Moon. I was chatting with Chris recently, and he was saying to me, and I guess you can tell by looking at – and this also probably comes – I was talking to Troy at Badlands too. If you look at their releases, they're not dropping uh, – and I mentioned them because obviously double IPAs are kind of what those guys are mm-hmm. known for um, – they're not dropping them like they used to. And Chris specifically was saying, he's like, people don't want them as much anymore. So I think what they've done is worked on their IPAs, which sit at 6.5 typically, and then their you know, 5%-ish pale ales, and yep. improve the body to the point where the difference, like we were saying before, from their IPAs to the double is so marginal. I Like I said, I, I, I don't really even yep. Look at yeah. it, and maybe I'm missing out on some great beers, but I'm just like, I tend to just let them sit, and then they'll be like, oh, fuck, this is four or five weeks old now. Then you're missing out on the quality of, of what it's yeah. supposed to be because yeah. I'm going, f- I'm reaching for 
the ABV that we've been drinking this evening around the fives, you know, five, five mm-hmm. or six is, is enough for me. And this, like, honestly, bro, this is amazing. This note this, uh, is just incredible. Mm-hmm. And the, the body is, it has no business being this, uh, yeah. th- this creamy. I mean, it's the oats, it's the raw boil that you're talking about. So it's, you know, I'm just completely satiated. And I feel like, oh, that's what he, that's what he was saying. And this is what I want to get your opinion on. So Chris specifically thinks that a lot of it came from the last two years where people were at home, they kind of went a little crazy to begin with. Everyone's dropping all their fucking money on beer and then drinking every day. And all of a sudden, everyone's mm-hmm. you know got a few extra pounds and not feeling too good about themselves. Their wallet's a little lighter. So they're like, well, I want lighter beers. I mean, I think that partially contributed to the rise of something like Seltzer's, which wasn't huge yep. here previously, prior to the pandemic, I would argue. I used to always go to Vermont because we were right there. My boy there was always drinking. So he's a beer guy too, but he was, he always had seltzers on deck and we didn't really have them up here. Like I think even before white claw was either a major thing or before it was, you know, 2019 and, um, seeing that happen because they're like what what, four percent or something five percent and they're like 50 calories or something or 100 calories tops so people like i'm going for that um you know you know what i'm saying so i feel like there's a bit of a trend have you noticed that trend from you i mean i know you're not making you know 10 percent ipas and shit but like have you noticed any trend by your kind of funny so we just you had milk and we released that two weeks ago to, yeah, I think so. yeah, sounds about right. And we still have a little bit in the fridge. That's not is that normal or is that selling pretty quick? Oh, I would have thought that was gone. So okay, 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 the okay. week before I released Fresh Hell, our I think it's five percent, five percent Munich Hellas lager, Ooh. dry, bitter. We got like if I if there was any left, I would have sent you some of that. I had planned to. I was like, yeah, we do loggers too. <laughs> People <laughs> like them. Um, it sold out in, I think it was seven days, eight days. Wow. All gone. Draft and fucking cans. Jeez. And that's bars who want it. Like we have like a local bar that every time I drop that beer, they're like, yeah, I need six cases as <laughs> soon as you have it. I'm like, <laughs> okay (laughs) sure which we don't normally get because we have all these funky sour beers and people are like can i do a half case i really just want a half case i'm like yeah yeah okay yeah you don't want to be worried about the sour okay yeah but i mean lagers versus sour like the amount of people who drink them i i totally understand it yeah yeah yeah. interesting Absolutely. And milk was milk didn't move as quickly as I thought it would. The other one um, that didn't move the way I expected to was last year I did a collab with the Third Moon Boys called Beach Boys. Okay. And it was in our Darkest Timeline series, which is this whole like offshoot brand where there's I've like essentially I allow myself to make all these weird bigger beers that I would never make. It's like Essentially, it's the darkest timeline uh, from, uh, yeah, anyways. Um, sci-fi. And I, I've yeah, heard that before. It's darkest community. Time. It's not sci-fi. It's community. No? The TV show? Uh, the TV show. With Donald Glover yeah. in them? I've totally yeah, seen. Donald Glover. Okay. Because I love Donald Glover. So He's the man. He is the fucking man. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. 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 But we released this Pina Colada Imperial Stout, which was like actually ha- was so much better than it had any right of, do- of being like i was like 
I fucking nailed that. Like that was really Hell yeah. good. Uh, but we released it in August, and I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna do this Imperial State, this Beach Boys thing," and like, um, and there was a handful of people who came in repeatedly and were just like, "Oh my god, this is so good!" But I think it was around for over a month. Okay, and that's a long time. Like the longest, I think, like. Or maybe it was over, maybe it was like a month and a half. It was like the longest any of our darkest timelines had stuck around to date. And I was like, that's really weird. So I do agree. There's a shift from the high alcohol. People are not necessarily going towards it in the same way. Interesting. Even with the so patient. It's a long story to say that. No, not at all. It's a, it was, it was a valuable points. I, I, I wonder if there's a different, I mean, it sounds like, that's a really good analogy as far as like um, people moving to the lower ABVs. But I wonder if the pastry, because I feel like the pastry fans or like the big stout fans, I feel like they were, all, it's like, I feel like you could align them with like the, um, they remind me of the Quebec folks. Like there's people mm-hmm. in Quebec that were just fucking like heavy into bourbon barrel aid stouts and like yeah. all the wild stuff. They were like a type and they still are. Mm-hmm. Um, here, I think they're few and further between, though, in comparison. Um, one of Mike, who runs the homebrew shop, he's a manager and also does a lot of different things at the brewery. He, he, every time we do one of these beers, he's like, Rob, like, you have been fostering funky, sour followers and low ABV beer drinkers. When they show up and you have released a double IPA with lactose, you're like, you gross. Why did he do that? <laughs> that completely I'm makes like, sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I did do that. Like, absolutely. But I mean, but that I was that fun. That was a sick beer, bro. Like I, I knew because I'd had wash and it, what there was, I think aliens do exist. It was called was another yeah. one that was a great pale yeah. And they were like both lower ABV pale but it like basically what I gathered from what I tried was, you know, you, because I don't think we really had the conversation as far as you're like, hey, this is what we do, blah, blah, blah. Like, we just say, hey, man, yeah, let's get some stuff. Like, boom, boom. So, obviously, I'm checking you guys out a little bit more and trying to figure out what, what you're all about. And I was like, okay, cool. So, it looks like you do all these real cool, funky barrel aged sours, but you're also very, very um, skilled at doing these, you know, pale ales, or whether they got bread or something else in it. So, when I saw the double IPA with lactose, it didn't think, it was like, oh, that's soft brand. I was like, oh, I yeah. need to try that. And it didn't disappoint in any shape or form. One of my favorite things oh, about mm-hmm. that beer, by the way, was it was in a short can. Oh, because yeah. it made short the all the way. Short, I, I imagine you don't do um, tall cans, eh? Nope. Nope. Love Never it. wanted to do them. And I don't, I don't know what's wrong with Ontario. Like our event in the summer is called the Summer Short Can. Yeah. And I oh, actively look for short cans. <laughs> That makes I love short cans, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta take a quick, a quick leak, bud. Go right. for it. I got, I got this hat. Yeah. Of course, I got a cover. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep them going. Um, but yeah, guys. So the milk was basically yeah, a double IPA collaboration with Mark at Sidewalk Beer Shop, uh, which is based out of the Princess Cafe. I think it's in Kitchen. I haven't been, but I know Mark through Bebo at Third Moon, and uh, great dude. And um, I want to talk to Rob in a sec about the um, the social media stuff that they've been doing. But yeah, that beer was just, it was really killing. I feel like lactose IPAs that aren't milkshake IPAs 
Now, that's a, a hit and miss. I don't know if they're hit and miss, but they're like they're not super common these days. I imagine most of y'all probably aren't drinking a shit ton of those. But the the it, it had the perfect body and um the lactose wasn't overly sweet. It was like it was present, you could tell, but it wasn't like you know, ridiculous. It, it was super hazy, super fruity and tropical. And it was perfect to me because I drank it out of this glass, this you know, small glass, and it was exactly all I needed of an 8% double IPA. I was just uh, espousing the beauty that was milk. And, um, well, thank you. I just, yeah, really enjoyed that beer, man. Like, I just thought it was fantastic. And because it was a, uh, an 8% that I might have otherwise postponed. Um, I was like, nah, fuck that. We're doing this. And it was, it was, it was great. I'm glad I got, I drank it fresh. I drank it within a day or two of, of grabbing it. And it was, uh, perfect because it didn't, I was like, oh man, I've got this like, you know, pint of, um, 8%. I'm like, oh man, this, uh, I don't know if I can have an extra beer after this. That's going to be the end of my night. That's usually how I'm, how I'm looking at it. I got a few in the yeah. fridge now and I'm worried about, I was like, oh, am I going to even get to these fucking things? Um, so no, I think it was really smart doing it in the short can, and uh, particularly if your fan base, like you were saying, uh, have been more cultivated towards the lower ABV stuff, p- perhaps um, it's it's a it's an easier sell for them if it's in a shorter can. So it's like a uh, you know not not as much of a commitment. Yeah, and we um, we do singles on those anything in the darkest timeline as well. Um, rather than the four packs. So like if you show up at Shortfinger, Baby Yoda's four packs. Like, I see like, why. It's just four packs. You don't really want one of these. You, you don't want, want it, don't buy it. I don't give a shit. Like <laughs> You want a bunch of these. This is like yeah. I, I specifically yeah. didn't I wanted to drink it the last because I think it arrived on Tuesday and I was like it, mm. it took some willpower not to drink one beforehand because I wanted to have all of these with you for the first time while we were hanging out. Right. It's yeah. more fun more fun for me to do that. And um, it's perfect because I was like, this is amazing. So I always start off with the crispy and then you move on to the, the rest. And I'm like, this is exactly what I would like to start on. Like the first beer of the night. It's actually technically, it probably even come before the crispy boy, then it's a lower ABV. Um, this is yep. perfect. I can't imagine you only wanting one of something like these. These are something you want to kick around. Yeah, for sure. Um it's uh yeah on the with the darkest timeline the milk kind of thing it it, it is the it's that funny we built up this audience of people like I said who want to not necessarily go to the hazy side of things but I do enjoy playing with these different beers that I no, normally wouldn't do and so that's why the collab milk which was originally supposed to be called milk uh, was a bad choice uh, but we vetoed the negative part of that. Um, but I think the, with short finger, I'm always trying to just promote people to try different things because we do such a vast array of things and beers that you wouldn't necessarily think of as regularly beer and like falling into, yeah, a lactose double IPA, which wouldn't be in my wheelhouse, but like, I'm going to try and like, I'm not going to release shit. You know, like if I'm gonna release it, it's it's gonna be good, and like it may have short fingers twist on it, which may not be to your liking. That's what I say. Like, I promise I've made good beer for you. You may not like 
the style or how I've interpreted it, but I promise it is not bad. And I think that is something that most, not most, a good chunk of breweries um, can't always say, unfortunately, in Ontario specifically with the amount of breweries and just a lot of the stuff that's going out. There's a ton of really good beer. I do want to also preface and say that, that I'm like always super impressed with, but there's also a lot of low lane stuff that I'm like, Jesus, like who fucking let this out of your brewery? Do you think it's because of the need to like constantly drop something new for people every week? And it's just a matter of, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's no I quality dropped, control. I mean, this week I dropped two beers um, and I'm constantly rotating through, but like I've kind of got a wheelhouse of stuff we do. So I, I get the, the pressure to do that, but I also don't think that's a reason to release bad, like, or beer that is. Subpar. Yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. I, I yeah, always, I mean, it, yeah, this is something that people talk about a bunch. It's, it's, it's an interesting conundrum being a brewery in this day and age of people being, you know, the ticker culture through untapped and people just always wanting what's new and feeling that pressure to do it all the time. And then, you know, with the beer industry, you know, it's had a bit of a rough run the last couple of years. So dropping, no, not dropping, like say like draining a batch of beer that might not be completely up to standard isn't always in the financial best interests of a company. So sometimes people are like, well, look, we're going to have to put our reputation on the line right now because it's either that or, you know, we might have had to make payroll this month or something like that. So, I mean, like, it might not be optimal. I do get it, but, I, yeah, it's... It is, it is super tough, but on the flip side of that, I will say that I don't think the quality of your beer matters nearly as much as it used to. Um, I think that an image, a brand, a name, whatever it is, like, there's all these additional components, even just a vibe at your... At your tasting room that people like like makes up for a lot of flaws in the core of what your business might be which is making beer mm-hmm. um, nowadays you need to have full pack like the full package um, to be successful and your beer is just one of those pieces that like I, I just don't believe the quality is where it should necessarily be in the importance level. That's fair. It's a, it's such a, yeah. I know it's easy to talk about it from my spot as someone who doesn't have, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars on the line and that that you guys do have. So it's a, you know, I guess everyone chooses the way that they approach it and how much of their brand they're willing to risk by releasing something. Maybe Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't, I'm going to replace the uh, camera battery there. Um, that might not have uh, hit the mark. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing there. <sighs> yeah. I mean, you, you're talking to a guy who regularly pours barrels of beer down the drain that he's sat on for like two years. Or like, I oh, know this turned to shit. Let it sit for too long. And like, it's painful. I can imagine. I mean, it's painful, like, 
to physically have to do that. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you're, you throwing, that's a lot of work, money. What happened now? Here we go. Um, you're back. I'm back. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. You guys are in a really tough position as, as a, as a business these days for, yeah, it, it is do. a hard go, and like I don't, I don't really want to shit on anyone too much or get too negative on the what's going on. Like, that's, it's not exactly fun, but I like it is a hard go out there these days, and I it feels like there's a lot of small breweries that uh, tasting room culture has not bounced back to what it was. Hmm, that's a good and point. like we feel it, and from talking to a lot of the breweries in Cambridge, like I ran into Jeremy earlier this week, and he was like, "Yeah, the summer was really slow. We just didn't have as many people coming through, you know, these kind of things, and like the reverence guys, and you know, this and that, and watching what people are doing, and the amount of breweries now who are doing trivia nights and this shit like like that, and you're like, yeah, like people are like adjusting to try and." get people coming out again and just like fighting that like change from COVID again. Like it's, that sh- mm. it's a, just another shift of like things are not the same as they used to be. No. And I, I found the same thing with short finger. What worked before does not work now. In what sense? Um, like the homebrew shop does not sustain the way it, what it does now people buy online and their fundamental buying habits have changed because of COVID. And yes, we do have an online store that you can buy your stuff through, but people are ingrained on Amazon now to just like, oh, I'm going to look on here. Oh, it's going to show up tomorrow. So if you were like sitting in your bed on Sunday <clears throat> night, wanted to buy some homebrew something, uh, like equipment mostly, you could order and it'd be on your doorstep Monday afternoon probably. If you order from Shortfinger, it'd probably be cheaper and no one would get that order picked until Tuesday morning because that's when we open up again and then they'd be that order would be picked up Wednesday morning, maybe, maybe Tuesday night, but be on your doorstep Wednesday. Versus you know, like, I get like it. all these slight shifts that have happened and what people's expectations and just like it it's this weird change that I'm seeing as someone who kind of does retail and does these weird niche beers and yeah, like it, it's a different, it's a different world. I couldn't agree more. I'm thinking, as you were saying that, I'm thinking about my own habits and we didn't really order online as much as now it's like a second nature. It's like, Oh, every time we go out to a store, I'm like, why are we here? We could just have this online. And and that's the one thing I'll say, like what I think is hurting at least me and probably a lot of breweries is short fingers an experience. Right. You come down to it and it's a dirty warehouse <laughs> with like a vibe. Like it's got a real vibe. And like that's why like I'm like, we're Kitchener's only sci-fi punk brewery. And I swear it is true. And if you show up, you will you will understand what's going on, especially if you show up and we're doing like a punk show or like some event. Um but it it's uh yeah it the retail side in particular has been much tougher. People aren't coming out in the same way. Interesting. Has Have online orders increased? Yeah. Online okay. orders have increased, but like 
it doesn't make up for the vibe and the relationship I can build with a community, which homebrewing in particular should Requires. be a community of coming in, chatting with you, talking about your beer, what you're making. Oh, where do you need help? What advice are you looking for? And this whole experience versus just going online and being like, oh, yeah, I just need this stainless to steel dip tube. Mm. Buying it. Instead of walking into the homebrew shop, having a discussion with me, knowing who I am, me knowing what you're brewing next, you know, the, all these components that make a community. And that's what is, has really disappeared from COVID is the community itself. As far as, I mean, this is my take on it, like looking out into it. No, this is fascinating to hear because I hadn't really thought about that from of like qualitatively or whatever like talking to people there was a um excitement and a readiness to get the fuck back to normal life mm-hmm. earlier this year say like from the spring something that i hadn't seen before that i'd noticed in ontario and i noticed in quebec people were just let's go man i'm tired of this yeah, shit yeah. like everyone's ready so everywhere we went i felt like you know even we laid pretty low for most of the time, but we owned a business and I was like, all right, well, look, I fucking not trying to go anywhere. Let's do our thing. So then by the time that came out, even we, I, well, I can't speak for my partner, my girlfriend, but like, I was like antsy as shit to get out to breweries again. Cause it's something that I really yeah. enjoyed doing. Go do stuff. Yeah. And yeah, go do stuff. Exactly. And I felt like everywhere we went, it was rammed. It was really hard, at least in Montreal, I can speak to more so than here, but like yeah. it was hard to get a, a seat anywhere. It was hard to get into a restaurant or go into a brewery. And I was like, all right, this yeah, is yeah. this is good. That's good. That's and good. I felt yeah, like yeah. but I, I imagine though you are right that maybe like, you know, tap rooms are a little different to to other situations. And I feel like the beer people I saw, nobody seemed to be drinking less as such. So I imagine yeah, that okay. they're consuming, but maybe they're not coming in to have a pint or two and then leaving with and you know, eight two, four packs, three, four packs or something like that. So there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the experience, which is is super key in getting to know if you're there all the time and everyone at a brewery always wants to talk to the owner or a brewer or whatever. So you're the guy, you're the face. They want to see you. They want to see Rob. Was Rob out? Let me talk to him. You know, it's a part of the, the vibe. So maybe there's like an adjustment period because two years and then and some change is a long time to fuck with people's habits psyche oh yeah um you know the way they interact with the world you know and they're going to get back used to it again so it might take a little bit of time to a bit more time uh doing it and now we're coming back into cold season so who knows you know well i mean i guess i'm i'm 37 i mean i've got a two-year-old kid as well mabel's a lovely lovely lady uh, but we've noticed in our friend group mm-hmm. where I used to be out even like I would be out three, four times a week. And now I'm going out once a week. And why is that? And it's just this shift of like, like Oh, I got to get home. Phase of and, life. And, we, and we also, but we invite people to our house way more. We have people Ooh. here probably three nights a week right now. Like, regularly so like we're still doing a lot of like okay yeah we're doing socializing but we're not going out to the bars and it could be a time place with having a kid at this age and i'm sure it is a bit but we've noticed with a lot of our other friends 
who are in the same age group who are just like, yeah, we, you know, they'll go out and have a nice dinner one night a week and then they'll just not be out in the same way. Mm, so, okay. Interesting. So the people who previously were out, yeah, I, I just not out like that anymore. Out as much. And so then if I was out three nights a week, I'd be at three different bars in town or, you know, like beer bars, whatever, breweries. And now you're just doing one a week. So it kind of like changes that dynamic up of like where you're going, where you're getting out, how many places, how many mm. people are in places. Hmm. That's an interesting point. That's a, it's a great observation too. I wonder, we didn't go out, I know I'm actually a really shit example because we had our own business, but our business is online. So our whole mm-hmm. sort of like being at home, being comfortable at home has kind of just always been our thing. So we always go out for brunches pre-COVID. We'd always go out for brunches and we'd be traveling a lot. Now we haven't traveled obviously since, but um, it was it wasn't. I, I can't really notice any major change. I guess we just kind of got used to sort of staying home a lot. It's sort of hard to even compare it because it kind of almost feels like forever ago. But if you were doing that, yeah, like, yeah I, I feel what you're saying though. I'm even trying to think of friends and stuff like. We always lived in Montreal, so most of our key friends were here. So it wasn't like we were seeing people anyway. We got friends in Montreal, right. obviously, but it was more like situational. You weren't always doing that. So it's like I don't have a direct comparison, but um, I feel that. And I'm, I, I hope it sort of does kick back in, but maybe people became homebodies because they didn't have a choice and you did it for so long and you kind of like – And just get used to it. You get used to it. You make, you know, it was, you know, it's really tough. You go to, because obviously we just moved, so we needed a whole bunch of stuff. IKEA has been nearly impossible to get things. We had to get a desk that wasn't as, we a standing desk. We had to get the one with the fucking wind up thing because all the ones with the buttons sold out. So it was half the yeah, price. Yeah. So I guess that's better, but then we didn't have a choice. We're like, well, you want that or you want to wait yeah, another yeah. couple months? So, like, yeah. getting furniture. So it seems like people have focused on, um, making their home their sanctuary to uh, to host like you're doing maybe you were doing it anyway beforehand but like yeah so i mean not to the same amount not to the same same amount amount. for sure yeah like like last week we had like i have a (laughs) i have a speculative fiction book club i'm in a DD group because i'm super cool and <laughs> like, and then we had other friends just over for drinks the one night. And it was like, that was just, you know, and then I was still out and doing shit. And actually I worked all weekend too. Um, so it's like, I'm just as busy, but I'm actually at home a bit more. But home more. Do you prefer it? Yeah. I prefer or is it right different? now, especially <clears throat> with having the kid. And like, it is one of those things of like, I don't know. <clears throat> hmm. That's an interesting point. The kid is definitely a uh, a factor yeah. in that for sure. So maybe it's a little tougher to to know if that would have happened. All thing, you know, if, if the last yeah. two years were, were regular. I mean, just we we're, yeah. were talking off air, but you got a puppy. Our puppy's about a month uh, younger than yours, and we don't have kids. But this is very a new world for us, and because he's young, we haven't left him yet. So, like, yeah. when it comes to, and I was told you're not supposed to. Some people say you. Other people have said, yeah, you can leave him, but I like being around him. I want him around. So I wonder what's going to happen to us in winter because in the summer, we just go to places that allow him to be there. So I wonder what's going to happen in winter. Breweries are the best place ever because breweries are almost always dog friendly. You go to a restaurant that's 
different situation. So I don't know what's going to happen to us in winter. I imagine we'll just frequent more breweries because we're going to want to go out. Um, yeah. Maybe as he gets it's older, great. just like with your pup, you leave him home, put him in a crate, whatever it might be, and good to go. Yeah. But at the same token, I don't know, it's just kind of fun. Our pup's just like, Yo, yours is super cute. I, I saw him before. Our pup is like fluffy. It looks like a teddy bear. It's cute as fuck. Everyone loses their shit when they see him. Maybe everyone loses their shit when they see old pups. But like, I want him around. So I want, I, I'm curious, just thinking about it, this conversation now. Like, I wonder if we'll continue to be able to do things throughout the, the winter. I would hope so because it's fun. I want to go to breweries and yeah, try new stuff absolutely. and catch a vibe. And, and like, breweries are, breweries are 100% the right place for dogs. Yeah. Like, it's easily the best. Yeah. You, you can totally do it. And if that's your hobby, then perfect you're laughing yeah yeah you're right and it makes me i feel like that's a that's a really good sign for the beer industry though the fact that they're so welcoming to dogs in inside outside where like i understand restaurants have a different situation maybe breweries with a food permit or whatever it's a different situation but man earlier earlier this year i think it was just before summer it was like spring we did a dog talent show at the brewery because i have like this huge fucking warehouse i was just like we got to start doing different stuff and so worked with a local uh dog group called kw dog friendly and did like a dog talent show and there was like 40 dogs and probably like about 100 people or so like kind of crammed in around this whole like area like turf area that we'd set up and these dogs are doing tricks and shit it was awesome i was just like yeah like this is exactly like exactly the type of random thing i love doing at the brewery that's just kind of fun and you would have like never have thought like if you walked into short finger that day be like yeah there's probably going to be 40 dogs here and yeah some of them are going to be doing pretty sweet tricks and that's awesome i don't know that sounds like a, I was just even as you were describing that I was like, "Yo, that would be lit." I feel like that would be the type of situation that our little pup who cannot do tricks would be fascinated with. And you come in there and you drink some fire beers oh, yeah. and then watch these dogs do some cool ass shit. Like, we need to teach him to do that. Like that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Are you gonna do that again? Yeah, I'm probably gonna do it again in the uh, in the fall. We haven't planned it out yet. I haven't, we've been doing a lot of uh, live music. Dope. We do punk shows on Saturday nights, um, so that's been that's been a good vibe because I like it um, quite a bit, and not just punk shows, but you know, sort of alternate uh, stuff. And it's definitely a group of people that I'm trying to engage into. I think that, like in general, I'm like I feel like Short Finger is a great place for your crowd of people it's weird the beer is maybe not exactly what you expect but it's interesting and you know just like it's not i find in kitchener waterloo everything's just like kind of like a strip mall Mm -hmm. or sort of a milestones vibe like like i I really i i I don't want to talk shit on Beer Town because I love Jen Tamsey. She's my friend. She's actually in my book club. Um, <laughs> um, but like Beer Town, this like vibe is like is just like a a Montana's of beer kind of thing. And like, there's a lot of that style stuff, and just like this really 
sanitized and like commercial vibe with nothing actually interesting going on. Whenever I walk into places, I'm like, this is the most boring, generic place I've ever been to. And I think that's a lot of why short fingers turned into what it is like this dirty warehouse with just like a lot of random shit going on and weird beers. And like, we have like a bocce court inside and like a foosball table on like her patio. And just like, like, yeah, like we need more interesting and cool places to go to that are not just the same shit regurgitated in the same just vibe and advertising and marketing i feel that's the shit out of me right i've heard of i haven't actually been out to any of the bars out there but i've heard of beer town for that but i know what you mean that like the i used to work at jackasses when i first moved to canada in like 2004 so i know exactly what you mean that sort of like chain restaurant type of thing yeah yeah and there was honestly nothing wrong with them (laughs) like (laughs) there's nothing wrong with it like, no. and it's, mm. it's the same reason why Tim Hortons and those like that vibe works because people are just automatically comfortable. They get it. They're not confused where people walk into short finger and I can immediately <clears throat> see on their face. You're like, Oh, you are, you like, you don't know what the fuck is going on here. <laughs> Cause there's a homebrew shop. There's like, like, is it a bocce mm. court? And then the tasting rooms up over here. There's this giant hand of God pointing down from the ceiling and just like kind of weird shit going on. And you've never been anywhere like it. And so you just don't, you don't get I understand it, it immediately. So it's that like initial, like, do you like that? Or does that put you off? Gotcha. And I think a lot of people uh, get put off by things they don't immediately understand, I understand this. Unless they're already craft yeah. beer fans that like, oh, yeah, this is cool. It's another brewery. It's, it's yeah. different. It's weird. Let's, let's go. Maybe yeah. the beer town is the gateway pub of you – know, Oh, I the, hope so. To bring people – to turn people into beer fans that therefore would end yeah. up excitedly you know, discovering what you do. Yeah. I mean I recently started <clears> sending them bottles – um, for that very reason of like, no, it's not exactly where I will be going, but there's a lot of people there who I would never see. And even if like a few people from there are like, oh, this is interesting. I like this sour peach cobbler or whatever, or whatever I sent them. Um, and they come check it out. Like, that's perfect. That's exactly what you want. Like there is space it. for those venues for sure. But short finger isn't one of them. <laughs> Different vibes. No, I yeah. fuck with that. Yeah. I see, I know exactly what you mean though. Um that's dope. Do you want to do the last beer? What are we thinking? Yeah, let's do it. Um Okay, it's uh tequila barrel coupage, mm-hmm. the bigger than kiss, or it's the uh Liberty Valence Brett beer, which I think got a little acidic over time because that is like an OG release with Jeff from Indie Hill Alehouse. Love it. What do you reckon? What's the oh, safest? What's the safest? What's the, what's, uh, about what's the safest? Like, what do you? What would you like to drink? Uh, let's let's try bigger than kiss. Um, I don't think actually that is not the safe option. I would say, um, but I am. I haven't had one of these in a little while, so so let's roll the I dice. Will. Yeah. So. I'm going to do what you did. I'm going to run to the bathroom. I'll be back in about 45 seconds. So do you, in the meantime,
Oh, I'll cut the, the pool cork. Do you want to just tell, them, tell everybody what's going on, what this beer is about? Absolutely, yeah. I can do that. I trust you, Rob. You're going you're gonna to do great. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we got it. We got it. You got to take care. Um, <laughs> so, bigger than Kiss, this beer, actually, I don't even remember when I originally released it now. Um, but this is a coupage, which is the process of blending old and new beers together. And in this case, it was four different uh, tequila barrels that I named after the members of KISS. Um, And then I blended fresh bitter saison into the base of this to make it the coupage that it is. Um, In the end, with this uh, blend, one of the barrels turned to absolute garbage so it actually ended up only being a blend of three of the members of kiss and to no one's surprise the barrel that shit the bed was actually uh, peter chris because the cat who would pick a cat um so this beer i'm trying to think i haven't had it in so long i don't remember if it was two full years in tequila barrels or not. Um, But it was essentially the three different barrels and the one um, essentially was really a sharp acidic. So it only got blended in about 10% into this, Um, but still all three of those barrels. He's back. I'm back. How is she? Safe? I talked the whole time, so I actually just <laughs> had a sip. I, you, I think I told you I ramble. No, so, uh, you uh, did tell me that, and I was like, oh, that's perfect for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you ramble on, brother. Oh, right. Like, um, ramble the actually, fuck on. You know what? This has changed quite a bit from the last time I had it. It is quite lovely, okay, but yeah. it used to have a lot of oak characteristic coming through that um, the tequila sort of rode on a little bit, and that is softened significantly, okay. which I have noticed uh, happens quite a bit with uh, bottles as conditioning. Oh, I use the corkscrew, man. Oh, use the corkscrew. Okay. Yeah, I use the corkscrew on it. Um, we stopped using these corks, I think, around this time because I was losing my mind trying to get them out. Like, they were like, yeah, like it. So, the corks that are in Lando are the like branded ones. Um, and I switched over after these ones because it was just too much pain in the ass to get them out and we had people who would like send photos of like i tried to get the cork out of your bottle and rip the end of the bottle off like glass and all and i'd be like yeah i'll i'll, I'll send you another that's one it. i am sorry that's that sucks like, nobody wants that it's yeah. uh i've had i kind of remember this like yeah i've seen those in the cork and cage many times where it's like this type of one and typically they can be pulled out but so, like often you i've got this little be able to yeah. pop them I got this cloth my mum sent me from Australia that had it's got this little it's like it's like kind of like carpet um you know the shit you put under carpet that stops it from moving it's kind of that mm-hmm. stuff so it's like that yep. basic material but cut into these little things so you can grab the top and it's you know yeah yeah 
I love those. Super handy. Yeah, super handy. I use it all the time. Okay, so um, this is mellowed a lot, eh? This is great. Oh, this is metal mellowed significantly. Um, there was Ooh, a, a very that. sharp oak note on this originally. Okay. Um, and that is very, very much soft, and it, it, it to me it comes across as a, a light acidity with like cherry, like the the flesh of cherry fruits okay. mixed in there. Um, no real bitterness or hot profile coming through on the end. When I first started doing a lot of these sours, I was very light on the hop components I did. So when I did the coupage on this, which is a blend of uh, fresh and um, old beer, I actually used a pretty bitter Saison to put the fresh component in. And even that has kind of dropped out of it. It still balances nicely, but... Um, this beer has changed significantly and has softened is actually morphing a little more into, uh, I'd say kind of in, in line with the wax poetic. I can see that. So you might've described this whilst I was, um, uh, emptying my bladder. What a coupage, yeah. what's a coupage specifically? So I, I, I did mention this, but it is a blend of old and fresh. So it's taking the barrel. So this was four different tequila barrels okay. and blending it with some fresh bitter saison. So adding in that lively new beer into it to brighten it up. I mean, at this point, this beer is has been conditioned now for a few years. So it's that lively note has kind of softened, okay. but... Um, yeah, it's okay. uh, perfect. What's the um, tequila barrels? Anything specific? No, they were actually I got them through Willibald a while nice. ago, and they had them. I get a few uh, a few barrels from those guys every once in a while. Mostly their gin stuff for uh, a beer called Fargo. We do, which is a gin barrel aged golden sour with lavender. Okay. That sounds interesting as hell too. Um, yeah. Did I pour too much stuff again? Um, I think I did. I can't quite tell. I think it's like a little, but like it's pretty. It's pretty epic. Like yours is really pretty pale. clear. Man, yeah. I left more than all the rest of them. I really thought I did it right. Like so look how much I left. What, so normally, what I do is I don't pour the full bottle to start. Oh, I'll do half doing. the bottle. Okay. Try that, especially if it's just me, because then I'm like, "Am I going to drink all of this?" Maybe. I mean, this is you know third world problem of, yeah, this beer. I like this beer. Uh, I'll drink half of it, and then move on to the next one. I respect it. I typically drink everything. Like I've got, I've, yeah. I've drank everything. I've just got a little bit of the second one left that I'll finish off after, and uh, we're in business. But yeah, it's only because yeah. like in the space of two hours, drinking four beers is a little. Uh, it's not so bad because everything was pretty light, to be honest. So it's not actually that uh, bonkers. Yeah, yeah. beyond the yeah. So maybe I need to. Some the tip would be to pour like maybe half the bottle rather than trying to pour yourself. Up. Try drink it, and then usually my second pour will be a you little just, bit more here because you do rouse that uh, the bottom a little bit. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. With that process. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. This is. I feel like. I, am I? Uh, the tequila itself, how is that showcasing through the... It is 
really softened to be honest it used okay. to be much more uh apparent on this mm -hmm. it's it's more turned into a barrel aged golden sour than the tequila golden barrel okay um which is a little disappointing to be honest because i mean this is a this is a thing with doing some cellaring of beers there's a bit of an unknown of where they will go and what flavors will stick what will drop out um yeah so it's it's not exactly what i was expecting from this one okay so look it's interesting it's less at, the lowest carb the softest as far as that's concerned yep yeah, yeah. um still got like that chewy body which i really mm -hmm. personally love um it's like kind of like a mild acidity it's not it's probably like actually no i lie when i took the first sip i was like woof it's actually more acidic or tart than the others mm -hmm. is that accurate um, I would say it's pretty soft and actually a clean, but like the finish does live a, leave a pucker and you can kind of taste it on the sides of the mouth a little bit. So I would say compared to Lando and how soft wax was, yeah, it's probably the most acidic. Okay. Yep. Making sure I had that. I right. took the chance on this one and I feel like we should have gone with the Liberty Valance. Jeff is going to be pissed at me. <laughs> God damn it. Sorry, no, Jeff. it's. Yeah. I think this is cool though, man. Like this is, it's fascinating. I feel like even though we've had three, um, three barrel aged hours and a nice little, uh, low BB payload, I feel like it's a, um, I don't know. It's like a real interesting sort of like overview of what you do this evening. Mm -hmm. uh, and look, to, to, to give Jeff some love, this was the other beer that we were tossing up between. Um, here we go. Come on. There it is. Wonderful art right there. Yeah, that's me and Jeff. Although very Jeff good. was very unhappy with that artwork. I felt like he, he didn't like how he came across. So I don't even remember why we did. Sometimes I have terrible ideas. <laughs> and I think this label was one of them. It's like this old like Western movie I've never even watched. And I don't know why the name stuck or why we went with it but i essentially had our artist rip the whole movie poster and, and replace the faces yeah. i'm here for it i'm here for it i don't think it's a bad idea yeah. ridiculous uh wins joe we can do it to please uh jeff we can uh, i feel like we definitely this won't be the first podcast that we'll do so what i can do is uh i in now i have a you know once again i was in a one-bedroom apartment for 10 years and now i'm in a house with a basement i've been able to set up my cellar with that before mm -hmm. was just in boxes next to my bed i can place that bad boy delicately on the shelf in there and then uh, we'll do another one in like next year and we'll drink yeah. that then since we're doing all Absolutely. the fun stuff i kind of like i like your approach i, I was only joking earlier but i think it's kind of gangster you're like yeah here's a bunch of shit you can't get so we're going to drink that i don't know i like that i don't know that's just funny to me i like that a lot like I said, I feel like it's that it's it's always the backward approach with uh, short finger. Whenever whenever I think about it, I'm like, oh, I'm really bad at sales and like making this accessible <laughs> to people. And that key component of my business, which is so important, of like, I need you to spend some money here so that my business continues and you can continue to enjoy these <laughs> these beverages. But that's always the like the back end i'm like oh yeah i have this this idea and now i'm gonna go with it rather than like the tried true method which like um 
doing the like reels and working the like social media side of things and trying to branch out from what I saw happening in the industry where I got so bored with the feeds from all the main breweries I was seeing, like all the stuff in the States, um, like, you know, the veil and like, I mean, Russian river, not so much, but these bigger breweries and then into Canada where it was Bellwoods and all these guys are just doing the same photos, slight tweaks on them, really well done and totally geared to just like be appealing to people. And I totally get that, but I was so bored. And that is why I started doing the reels and just like kind of played into how our labels work of when you read our labels, if you read the like write up on the back of big, I read all of them. I think it's hilarious. Like it's, it's kind of jokes and it's, kind of about the beer but not really and it's just this sort of like weird kind of banter and that's where i wanted to go with our image on on social media and as much as i don't love instagram it's kind of a a necessity for a business in a brewery but not wanting to fall into just like oh here's this really really nice high-res image of our bottle next to some barrels or on a tank or like the brewers like holding it or, you know, like all this, whatever the, you know, people do a lot of because it's easy and it makes sense and it it looks good too. Yeah. And and I'm sure it helps sell beer, but it literally bored the shit out of me. So do you want to describe what you guys do then or what your approach was to sort of offset that? Um, I think the to offset it, so it kind of comes down to Shortfinger is the name if it itself. It's named after me. Like I have a short finger. Like this brand and what the brewery is and the beers are all kind of built out of me and my personality. And that's problematic in a lot of ways for business, I think. It's a very good for a small business, but also hard because you're so linked to one person, mm. but there's personality that you can kind of pull from that. And hopefully as a business business and brewery that's so small, I'm trying to engage my local market mostly. I don't give a shit about BC. You know, like I'm not I'm not exporting. My goal has always been to sell out of beer at short finger, like have a new beer every week that is being drank by the people of Kitchener, Waterloo and like the surrounding areas. I'm not trying to get big. In fact, I often want to get smaller right? and just like make my, make my zone of control smaller. And so I'm always happy with everything we're doing. Um, so the reels were kind of a transition from what we're doing on the labels of kind of quirky, weird things that weren't the same thing that you'd see on all these clean and I'm not trying to knock anyone at all, but like when I look at 
Matron, I love you, Mal. I love you, Justin. When I look at Dominion City, Jesse, I love you, brother. Um, Stillfields, I don't know you, Owen, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, you're all doing the same look. You know, like, it's this clean, folky vibe, like, very, and I, it just, like, it was like, I get it and it sells, and you breweries will probably always be um, more successful and larger than what I'm doing. And that is totally fine. And trying to just have this niche little weird, like these videos we do are just kind of the one video was just me talking about this crazy squirrel that was like <laughs> giving me shit in my own backyard and like, you know, trying to talk about the beers, but not being serious. And mm. the whole brand in general, I'm trying to do some really cool, interesting beers and then contrast it with this dirty warehouse vibe and these funny labels and a kind of quirky, I'm just kind of a weirdo. And either you're into it or you're not. And that's what I've always said. Like it's, it's, it's not for everyone, but I think contrast when you look at it in any sort of pairing, uh, sort of food, beer, wine, whatever is always the hardest one to hit. But when you hit it, it's a beautiful thing. And I mean, there, there's some, it's subjective as to what's going to resonate with any one person. But I love it when somebody walks in and is like, yo, I read the write up on the back of uh, Bigger Than Kiss. That's just fucking hilarious. Like, that's great. And I love the beer too, but I thought that was so, so good. And, you know, like, or the people are just like, all of a sudden get into Lando and are like, yeah, Lando is <clears throat> so good. And like, I love the vibe and everything. And it's, it's a different approach to running a, a, a brewery. And I think the only way to do it is to be small and whether it'll be successful or not in the long term, I have no idea. I feel like we're slowly but surely building up people who are into it. Um, but it's it's not the regular uh, beer enthusiasts who like flock to Third Moon, right? You know, like the the like hazy guys. They don't give a shit about what we do, and I think that's one of the reasons why you had never really had our beer before. Yeah, I don't know if I yeah potentially that group that is very active mm -hmm. doesn't seem to care so much about what we're doing. And that's, that's totally fine. Like I have no problem with that, but like it's all, it, it sucks in some ways of like, I, I feel like what short finger is doing is very unique for Ontario, mm -hmm. but just gets like forgotten and not looked at by a lot of people who might actually enjoy what we're doing. Um, because it's not the standard out there. That's like the trendy stuff right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think I didn't, I knew the name, obviously, because I feel like I'm, I go out of my way to at least be familiar, right? I hadn't tried this stuff. I li Like I said, I lived in Montreal for 10 years. I come out here, and the thing was that if it was the Hay stuff, people would be talking in those circles, right? So then you, you hear about it. Um, I think that you are doing a style of beers that obviously we've been drinking tonight that Ontario doesn't see enough and isn't as highly valued in Ontario as it is in Quebec. People lose their shit over Robin, over Orval, over Dunham, 
of uh, those type mm-hmm. of breweries that specialize in this stuff. And they, they sort of exalted in a way that in Ontario they're, they're either sought out by a niche group of people would come to Quebec or trade with people in Quebec to get those beers because they can't typically get it at home. So I think maybe there's the market for these is a little different here. Um, and it's more just like I almost feel like there's more breweries in Ontario that if you're not here all the time that you're able to sort of discover like because I split when I was going to say split my time not living really but like my beer time I tried to split fairly equally and I feel like maybe that did myself a disservice because then you sort of scrape in the surface more on both like I still know a lot mm-hmm. about both but then you still miss some gems there's still a bunch yeah. of stuff you just miss the miss the miss the boat so it's kind of the more I've been able to get into your stuff since I've been here, I've really enjoyed it. And I was kind of like, oh man, where the fuck have I been the last couple of years? Like trying this stuff. So like, I, I almost feel like you yeah, someone like Justin at Toronto Brewing is an advocate for what you do. And then he told me that we got in touch and now here we are. Right. So I think that's a cool yeah. testament to, you know what I'm saying? People, even though he's industry, but there's people who really fuck with what you're doing, who are proactively spreading the word. I think that's dope. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it is a slow burn, and the the guys at Volo, uh, they've come down, Julian and Chris, and, and they really love Lando, and they're a big part of why I don't have Lando kegs at the brewery, because they're always <laughs> asking up. for it up there. Yeah. Um, but they were, they were, they called it. They were like, you know what, this is great what you're doing. It is going to be a hard slog and people are not necessarily going to immediately latch on to it right you know like because it, it isn't the trendy it's not um, not going that route so much mm. um so it, it is a harder approach to it but i do think ontario needs short finger most Agreed. people don't realize that i'm like this is something short finger kitchener needs and I think it was maybe a month and a half ago, a local like beer influencer or whatever posted about Shortfinger and they did one of like our hoppy beers and we never see them. They barely ever come in like whatever, like I'm never too worried about it, but she just they posted like something to the extent of this beer is so good. And was I just not paying attention? Has, have they been like knocking out of the park this whole time? And I'm like, well, I think so, but I make it all. But kind of that, like, I'm just wait, you know, waiting for you to like realize, you know, yeah, there's really good beer here. You could come drink it whenever you want, which is such a funny, like spot to be <clears throat> making these like really like long-term in-depth beers that, you know, like Lando takes me two years to make. You know, yeah, like I'm like I am really trying to make something unique for you, for Ontario in this area. Right. Maybe it is. I feel like there's some there's something cool about being the underdog, and that's kind of where you're at with this. And you're making a style that hasn't traditionally been. I mean, if you look at the provinces, Quebec is all being about Belgian, and the entire is being about English styles. So it's sort of you're yep. doing the Belgian style stuff to a level that is. That, that, that 
uh, as you're sort of talking about this, I'm just like, if my friends, like certain people I was thinking about in Quebec knew about what you're doing, they would lose their shit to try and get your stuff. Um, you can get, putting this out there, I'll tell you more afterwards, but I know a dude who has an import company in, in Quebec who brings in stuff for the SAQ. So he brings mm-hmm. stuff from everywhere. He's brought some stuff in from Australia, does a lot from from uh, from around Canada, from from Ontario, from Europe and stuff like that. I feel like if you had the capacity, it would probably be worth your while to send a batch of Lando or something out to Quebec and to do a launch through them because I think that that market would be exactly who would already appreciate because what you're doing here in Ontario is convincing and educating if you're attacking mm-hmm. someone like Quebec, you're appealing to the already converted who, already are, know. Who, yeah. are, who are looking for something new and different as all beer people are, whether you're in the Hayes world or otherwise. The Hayes one are the ones who usually get a lot of shit about it, but the folks who are into this stuff are equally as interested in, in something new and fun. So Ontario beer is highly valued uh, out there. I know there's one of the stores, I don't, I don't know if it's like legal, so I don't want to say any names, but there's, I know there's a store that a lot of them uses that charges quite a premium to send beer out to Quebec. And, you know, mm-hmm. It's like a quiet, you know, poorly kept secret type of yeah. thing. I think you probably know who I'm talking about. And, um, yep. you know, a lot of people do that, but maybe they don't know to, that, to the quality of, of what it is that you're doing. Um, and I feel like that could be worth your while. It's an interesting position you're in being sort of the underdog doing this style at this specific region that you need. Oh, you're not only doing that style, obviously you're doing something like, yeah, you know, I do a lot of other stuff, but really the thing is the business, like I said, the model for me was always hyper local. Yeah. And I it has definitely changed that in a lot of ways, but I, I never wanted to sell a drop of liquid outside of short finger. That was right. my original goal. And I'm pretty close a lot of the times. Like okay. I'm, I only have a handful of places. And not that I won't send out to other places, but like my my original goal was like, this is going to be this very small niche and unique thing for this area. <laughs> and I don't know if Kitchener was ready for it. but Maybe not. But the rest yeah. of uh, you've been doing some fantastic collaborations as well, which obviously help get the name out. Whether it's yeah. Sawdust or Third Moon or, or things like that, that sort of amplify the brand. And you know, sometimes things are a slow burner. And I feel that I mean, I do music, I do hip hop. My my brother moved here for that, and I always felt like the shit that we do was really high quality. And I felt like we just never got the respect or the attention that it deserved. And I felt like a lot of it is a slow burner. And maybe eventually, people are like, yo, that shit was fire. Yeah. Uh, and and I think there's nothing wrong with that, and sometimes that's just how shit goes. And it's more about the sort of positioning in. And I know this from the short time we've spoken that you are not going to do anything but stay true to what you do. And I think that's the best thing you could possibly do because that's in a time where everyone's doing something and every market possible is convoluted and and this busy. Your niche is shit. You're doing exactly what you do best and mm-hmm. that's all you can really do and i would i would hope that that the word would continue to spread via like you said that person posted that stuff that's great that's amazing they're like yeah i think i might have even probably said something like yo where where is this stuff being i was extraordinarily i think i told you beforehand the last batch i spent a whole night it's all i drank was all your stuff i think i had like four cans in a bottle or something it was pretty lit but yeah it was great 
And I was like, this is like, I was like, it wasn't like I just had one. Like, oh, that's all. And I was like, no, I want to try this. Oh, I want to try this. Oh, let's see what this bottle's about. And I just enjoyed the whole experience of just drinking your beers for a whole night. And I felt that they were all so different and unlike anything that I would typically drink. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were at such a high level. I was like, this is sick. And that's why I kept the Lando in the fridge. And only I put it in the cellar. But I was like, no, I'm drinking that soon. And then when I realized we needed it for tonight, I'm like, well, that worked out well. Yeah. But, I mean, in the end, Lando was my favorite beer tonight. I would say it would, be, it would be my favorite, too. The Tangerine was just A1 oh, money. And the Yoda, so this is, I, I feel like this the is the Yoda's easiest. Great. This is the easiest one to front on here. Um, oh, yeah. In a, in a world of like, it's a different level of, of beers and a different thing. But this is like, you can't wow. like discount the quality of this. And this is like, Something that I would drink every beer session. This is something. It's like four percent big flavor yeah. pale ale. Boom. I, I'm all about that. But man, I feel like we we gave the the people a nice little, at least a, a, a overarching sort of you know overview of what it is yeah, that you, so. you guys do. Um, I feel yeah. like I wasn't weird enough. No, maybe uh, maybe we need to get weirder yeah. next time. Maybe we yeah, need to dress up or yeah. something. We need to have a... <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not going to dress up. I, I don't, I've never dressed up in I my mean, life. I, I feel like I ranted on a little bit, but not like not you, too much. You kind of warned me that you were weird. I think we're all weird and you were the least... I was like, this, this is completely... It's not that weird. Yeah, not weird yeah, at all. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel yeah, like... Exactly. <laughs> no, this was, this was yeah, great. Exactly. Just, just a dude making... Just, just a dude making beer. great fucking beers, just, you know? What I was what I was yeah. hoping for. Now th- yeah. this has been great, man. I'm definitely going to swing by the brewery and I want to hang out and I want to like yeah. do some other content inside the brewery and, and capture all of that and, and soak up the vibe and everything. But uh, I feel like we got the message across to people, and now I think you really said that great. That if someone is saying, "Where has this been? Have these beers been this good the whole time?" and I've just been missing it. I hope that y'all heard that. And everyone watching and listening are going to go out and uh, you know go to your favorite store that's, that's stuck in the beer, favorite bar like Volo and stuff that's pouring the beer, or go directly to the source, which would be the optimal situation, and uh, hang out, soak up the weird vibes, play some bocce, listen to some punk, yeah. drink some Lando, tell uh, all that, tell um, yep. tell Rob that uh, you've never tried it before and you'll bring out a Magnum. That's the secret plug right there. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. You know, I might just do it. You might just do it. It's uh, no, it's great, man. I really appreciate you. Um, once again, I'm really glad we connected. Um, yeah. I think it's fantastic what you're doing. I just like that you're sticking to your shit, man, and you just like owning it. Like this is what I do, and not really not budging from it to appease a market or anything else. I don't know. I I see a lot of value, and and um, I respect that a lot because you're just like fuck it. You know, you could be doing things where you'd be like, well, I could probably triple my money if i did this one but you're like no 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 this is what i signed up for and you know, yeah yeah I, I mean i just with uh, our our big party in august i released our new shirt which is the back actually i'm wearing it right now is mix firmer death <laughs> and i was just like yeah fuck it that's what we are mix firmer death man if i can't make I lando it. i'm fucking out Dunzo. won't do it Yep. What's the point? I'll and just go work for someone else then. That's fair. And yeah. I feel like I feel like there's always going to be a market for a beer like that. I feel like maybe that market won't be absurd in a province like this, in a in a in yeah. a industry that where the trends Jesus trends fluctuate. Mm-hmm. But 
there's always a place for it. And I think there's always going to be a very uh, happy target market that's going to be just blessed and, and honored to be able to drink a beer that quality regularly, which is the key part. It's not just like here and there and it drops a couple. Like, no, nah, you always got this shit. And there's always different variants and different batches. It's yeah, it's great, man. Keep doing what, you, what you're doing. I know you will. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. I'm really glad. Bro, uh, I'm going to wrap this up. Stick around and we'll say, we'll say goodbye off air. But uh, where can everybody find Shortfinger online? Uh, it's shortfingerbrewing.com. Uh, you can just go to our bottle shop there. Rotates pretty pretty much weekly. We almost release a new beer every week. And between Beautiful. the mixed ferments and the uh, clean stuff we're doing. Love it. And check on it out. social, it is Shortfinger Brewing. Shortfinger short Beer. Shortfinger Beer, I think it is okay. on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what we are. So make sure you check yeah. it out. Follow, check out Rob's Reels. They just the approach is fascinating. It's hilarious. You're just sort of like coming in there talking like you sort of like couldn't be bothered being there. There's something about it that is like appealing because it's hilarious and ridiculous, but it's getting across the point. It's just, it's just everything's authentic and honest. That's what I really love about the brand. Like I feel like you're not putting on any airs. There's no bullshit. What you see is exactly the, the guy I expected to be hanging out with tonight and uh, you delivered, sir. So thank you for that. Uh, Realness. Thank you. I almost forgot. We need to take the thumbnail. I'm going to take a screenshot. Do you want to hold up a um, bottle, can, whatever you uh, you can fit right there? Make sure we let them know. Here we go this way. Boom. All right. Ready? Gorgeous. Go. Now we got it. Let me just double check. Oh, yeah. We got it. We got it. We got it. All right. Beautiful. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do it. All right. Now, fuck it. That's fine. Um, all right, hang on one sec. I'm going to wrap this up and then we'll wrap it up uh, off air. But guys, thank you so much uh, for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell so you know when the new new drops. Follow us everywhere at BOS Podcast. And check out the long form audio. We're back in action. We're dropping every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, give us those five stars if you are so inclined on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It means the world helps a lot. We will see you guys in the next episode. Get it in here.